0: We'll one, two, two, two. RC R.C.O.A. version 3.0 I'm back
1: oh, At yeah, least
0: yeah. for a week
2: we
0: we'll I see Did I already say it was episode 38? It is, just in case I'm on a lot of meds So <laughs> I have a tendency to forget shit these days But uh, this is episode 38 The guys are all here, except for Nick Nick's busy this week
2: he yep. has well, been in the ass? <laughs>
0: what, is he, what is he doing? I don't know he's, he's in Spain He's in Spain
2: He's doing a stuff
3: Spandex, Spindex. spandex, spandex.
1: Probably eating some spandex.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, it's been a minute since I've been here, guys. Actually, yeah. oh, well, welcome back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not out of the woods yet. We'll talk a little bit about that when we when we get to the appropriate time.
2: We're mm. maybe still in the brush, the shrubbery. We're,
0: yeah, we're still kind of thorns. We're still circling the drain. We're not quite in the drain. We're just kind of just circling it.
3: Making a, making a loop. Could, the, it
0: could go either way any given moment.
2: It's got the toilet bowl effect right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I could be dead next so week. What you're
2: saying is this is when you flush it, when you think there's maybe a little bit too much in the toilet, and you're right. watching it, waiting for it to go down. You're going, fuck, fuck, yeah. fuck.
0: <laughs> or when you take a shit that's so big, you don't even wipe your ass because you're afraid the shit itself isn't going to go down. And <laughs> somebody... And when somebody walks in, you don't want them to say, well, Jesus Christ, how much toilet paper did you use? And you're like, look, bitch, I don't use any toilet paper. That's just how big my shit is.
3: I need a 3,600 PSI today. It's still touching my ass. Oh, Christ. Oh, shit. Anyway. Anyway. Um.
1: Good to hear from you, Dan. I'm glad you're back in
0: here, man. I got a tell you, you guys have done a wonderful job editing aside. Just kidding, Nick. Not really, but kind
2: of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <Medium lead. laughs> You're going to upset that boy. No, he hey, did it. Yeah.
0: Look, look, you know, he took the bull by the horns. He took some initiative and he did a great job. All you guys did. It's um, uh, it was very nice to know that I could deal with what I was dealing with and still am dealing with and not have to worry about it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for it sure, uh, was nice to 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 just see it kind of continue and um, let me kind of just figure out what the hell I was going to do with what was happening in my life. But the it's show must go cra- on, man. <laughs> it's been a crazy, crazy, crazy few months, and you can probably still hear it in my voice a little bit. Uh, this week, I'm on a prednisone dose pack, which uh, those of you who are familiar we're not uh, it's like a wonder drug, prednisone. Right, it kind of cures everything. It makes everything feel better, but it's yeah. exceptionally bad for you to take. It uh, destroys you essentially, <laughs> while it makes you feel better at the same time in the short term. Like so right now, I'm halfway through a dose pack, and I'm feeling pretty damn good. Now I'm on the de- the uh, the uh, downward dosing side of a prednisone pack. Typically, they start you at a higher dose, and you take for three or four days. You take a certain dose the next three days take a lower dose, eventually work your way down to a very low dose and then you're done. And I'm starting to feel um, the effects kind of coming back as the prednisone is kind of working its way out of my system, like the coughing and the kind of the weakness and the breath and the, and the voice you guys can probably hear it a little shortness of breath.
1: Mm -hmm, A little bit.
0: Um, Last few days have been great. I, I uh, kind of catch you guys up with what I've been doing. I, Ended up going. Yeah, you know, I know you guys talked about it last week, but ended up going to the spring fling just for the day. Not even. Yep. You know, I guess we were there for four hours. I really wanted to get down there to visit some friends that I hadn't seen in a long, long, long time. Doug Darby, in particular. Uh, anytime he's within a few hundred miles of me, I feel like it's my obligation to go say hi. Uh, been a big supporter of what we've been doing here at the podcast for many, many years, and and he had also been to our fun flies. Uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, all the way from Texas. So I really wanted to go see Doug and was surprised to see some other guys who, I'd been talk- who I hadn't been who had talked to for a very long time, Raja, or I mean, he and I used to spend a lot of time on Skype back in the day uh, just bullshitting about gas or helicopters. Uh, all these guys I hadn't seen for a long time. Plus, I got to see Scott. Yeah, and Devin. Aww. I hadn't seen Devin in a while. I was missing Devin's cute little face. Aww.
2: Aww. Fuzzy wuzzy. Aww.
0: <laughs> it's nice to see that he still had an ironed his shirt. And he still can't talk right.
2: Yeah. But,
3: <laughs> <laughs> but he grew facial hair. It's a statement. No iron shirt. Is that a
0: statement? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, no flying uh, at, at Spring Fling. I, didn't, I did bring a helicopter, but I didn't do it. But mainly because I was only there for a couple of hours. And I, and I wasn't. I was there, but I wasn't feeling real good. I don't know. You might be able to tell by looking at the pictures. I hadn't really started my the uh, prednisone at the time, but um, but I started that in, um, I don't know if you guys know Steve like uh, I'm butchering his last name. Out here in Pennsylvania, he's been in the scene for forever. Anyway, he called me up and said, you should come hang out on Sunday, uh, a couple of the guys are getting together. It's about 80-mile drive. Went out there, <laughs> and I uh, was feeling good. So I brought some helis, man, and uh, charged it up some packs. And uh, it took the Goblin 570. Got it up in the air a few times. Nice. And that um, Logo 200. I want to tell you a little story about that Logo 200. I, I, I've flown it sporadically over the last several months. Just whenever I felt like I could get outside for a few seconds and tolerate the cold or the wind or whatever. But the weather was nice. I get that little thing up and I, I just, this, uh, when it was in the air, because I've not had good experiences with small helicopter uh, ever. And when I got this thing in the air, I I just, this big smile came over my face. Like I was actually like, this thing really flies nice. Nice. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's not a squirrely little bitch. It can be right. If you, really recon it, but I was just like very, very happy with, um, uh, so thanks Scott for hooking me up with that. That was, that's fantastic. That thing is going to be awesome to have here to fly in the yard when I am not feeling well enough to to pack everything up and go to the flying field.
2: But yeah, I'm so stoked. It's keeping you in the air.
0: Yeah, it's great. I, I just think that that little heli is the technology is, um, just, just how well they fly is un. It's really hard. It's hard to understand until you try it. I know everyone at this point has tried one, right? But uh, I'm trying to get some helis built. You're not going to believe this, Scott, but I still have not soldered my ESC to the Kraken.
2: Oh, my God.
0: What? (sighs) Maybe I should just circle the
2: toilet. I have acquired... (laughs) <laughs> blown and destroyed a kraken in the time it takes you to just solder an ESC to a kraken. I know. <laughs> mm. And I
0: still have two. So- well, I've got the one stock, so that's fine. I got a second one that I haven't even built yet, and I got a kraken 580, still not done. Synergy N7, still not done. Man, <laughs> <laughs> got to reassess, man. Your list
1: <laughs> is getting long, brother. It is
0: getting longer. Mm. But yeah, uh, no, I uh, I want to get that want to get that cracking going because I think it's going to be super visible and that's something that's going to help. And, um, I definitely want to get that little 580 nitro going, but yeah, I got to right. be honest guys. It's been, it's really, it's been, a, it's been really tough to focus on anything other than, uh, breathing for about the last two and a half months. So yeah. I don't, you know, I haven't even really gone back to work, which sucks. That sucks bad.
2: I've um, never, can't relate.
0: No, it just, it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, you can only watch Netflix for so long or play a video game for so long and just start to wonder, what the fuck is the point? You know, it's like, God damn it. I got, I got to do something meaningful. But
1: yeah, being on pause like that, being on pause like that sucks, man. You just got to do it though.
0: So, what, um, just kind of a quick rundown. Uh, Most people are aware, obviously, on February 17th, I had, open-heart surgery, uh, quadruple bypass. Uh, I went into the hospital on the 8th thinking I was having strokes, strangely enough. But um, I was sitting here at the computer on the 7th of February in the evening. And all of a sudden, it felt like it was um, a, a significant amount of time. But my guess, it wasn't maybe more than 30 seconds. But all of a sudden my vision went tunnel and, and I couldn't make out any detail directly in front of my face and I couldn't see anything on the peripheral. And, um, I just had this, this, uh, feeling that I was actually outside of my body. Like I, I can't explain it. It's like, uh, this extreme dizziness. Uh, it, but it was like, I was, you know what I likened it to? And we've all been there. I mean, yeah, I'm sure maybe Devin has too, but you know, when you drink too much and you lay down in bed mm, and you get yeah. the spins,
1: you to put your leg on the wall? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or, or, and it's just this intense, like, y- you got to do something. Yeah. That's kind of what it's was what like, I mean, except man. worse. But anyway, so that, I, I didn't say anything to the wife, but I didn't, you know, I, I, I couldn't move for about, well, I could, but I couldn't stand up for about 30 minutes after I sat down here in the office or in the basement. Went to work the next morning and this exact same thing happened. And, you know, I'm a nurse. And I thought to myself. I know better. There's obviously something very wrong happening.
1: Yeah, I got to do something.
0: So I went to my uh, director of nurses and I told her what was going on. And I said, I don't want to make a big scene. Don't want to call an ambulance. um, But we need to get to an emergency room. And um, so she she drove me, which was three or four blocks away. And uh, yeah, I was in the hospital for two weeks. They were afraid that my heart was going to blow up. And the surgical team that they needed was gone. Like they weren't all present. The surgeon was there, but his whole team, like a couple of them, were on vacation. So they couldn't. They had to hold them off. They, you know, if I needed to be somewhere, it was in the hospital. I felt a little uneasy that they were telling me that my heart could blow up. But just uh, wait. <laughs> but we're we'll just we're going to wait for two weeks. Uh, but they, you know, they had me on all the necessary protocols to keep that from happening, and. Turns out I didn't have a heart attack. Just to clarify, but what they did notice, based on the diagnostics that they ran, is that my ejection fraction on my heart was very, very, very low. You're looking for ejection fraction, and it's just basically a fancy way of saying how hard your heart's working. Yeah, how hard somewhere between. Out? Yeah, uh, 50 to 55, 60 is you know typical normal. I was pushing 39, which is extremely low, which basically Real. means diastolic heart, heart failure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they did a heart catheter.
1: Yeah, like a, not a stent, but a...
0: Right. Well, that's where they decided they want to do so, stents. Uh, you know, they, they send the needle up and the camera up through your artery from your crotch all the way up to your heart. Yeah, I was 100% occluded on, well, four, four of my uh, arteries one hundred percent, one hundred percent, ninety percent, and eighty percent included.
1: Yeah, that's clogged as fuck, dude.
0: Yeah, it's clogged as fuck. That's that's uh, you know, that's rotor rooter ain't helping you at that point. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. <laughs> so that's when they said, yeah, you have to go into surgery, uh, and that's anyway. So I end up in surgery, and um, things were going well. Uh, it's not uncommon for post-op uh, pleural effusions, which is water collecting, not. In, but on your lungs. Yeah. Yep. It's not uncommon. Uh, <clears throat> but this happened and they took about 850 milliliters of fluid off of my left lung. But the problem is they expect it maybe once. They do not expect it to reoccur. And this is what's going on. And this is why I've been back in the hospital three or four times since surgery because I keep getting reaccumulation of fluid. Obviously, that makes it hard to breathe and lots of other issues. But this is why, I, you know, you'll hear, you'll see me maybe posting on Facebook or you'll see me at an event or maybe coming on the show because all of a sudden I'm feeling good. But then the fluid starts to reaccumulate and I'm right back to where I was at. Yeah. To the point where um, if they can't give me an answer, their latest theory is something is caused stress, is what they said, is causing my heart to swell. Not allowing anything to heal properly. Water keeps reaccumulating. Not really buying into that. We're going to end up going to like Johns Hopkins in Baltimore. Um, should they can't come? <laughs> they, they don't know. They just don't know.
1: Well, Johns so that's Hopkins where I'm at. is probably stronger anyway. So, it is.
0: It know. is. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're thinking. You know, it's a research hospital, it's one of the best in the country. Yeah. It's in my insurance network. Dude, I got Dude. A bill. For $329,000. Holy
2: shit. <laughs> Holy shit. From Haley Heli-
0: <laughs> From Haley Oh, where's my button? Where's my button? No, hey. oh, dude. Um, well, here's the thing. So you get this bill. This, it's like a breakdown. And it wasn't even all my hospital state. It was just probably half of them. Plus the surgery. They could have started the letter off with, don't panic. You're about to see a huge number. It's not for you. It's not. It's just so you know. Because at the very bottom of this huge list and this massive number, you owe us $1,300. And then you're like, holy shit. I was like, oh my God, you could have started with that. Don't you know I just came out of heart surgery? (laughs) So anyway, and it's just going to pile up, especially if I have to go to Jones Hopkins. I don't know what my limit is, but (laughs) it is what it is. Got to get it figured out. So just you know, I'm feeling pretty good now. I fully suspect by next week, I'm not based on previous, the last four admits. Um, I'm not going to be feeling very well. So I'm probably going to be AOL again, um, after this week. I don't know. Hopefully not, but that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm kind of taking advantage, trying to take advantage of the, of the feeling good. uh, of the, uh, trying to get as much flying in and um, getting on and uh, letting everybody know what's going on. And by the way, thank you everybody for all the support and the messages and uh, you know, every time I do come on, I mention that, but I think it's worth re-mentioning, but that's been my week guys. That was long and drawn out.
1: Yeah. Hey, <laughs> it sounds like it was, I mean, Hey man, starting with last weekend being able to go to spring fling yeah. and then just being up and about and you know, you haven't really had uh, any good like, length of time since this all happened where you've been able to feel good. So just take it and if, I'm glad for you, you know, even if it do go back down a little bit, you know, yeah, like there's some sort of a kind of a protocol that they've got where they've got you kind of swinging back and forth a little bit here. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, on the upswings here, you know, welcome. I'm glad you're around, you know, I'm glad you got to fly, dude. That's fucking cool. You know, yeah. it's not everything, you know what I'm saying? But it's, you know, in the context of our podcast and the hobby and this part of the thing that drives nerds like us that like to fly toys in the air, you know, you got to get in back into doing some of that. So that's cool too. man.
0: Yeah. And it, you know, I, I won, I, I don't know. It's again, all in my head, I, I think, but one thing I was noticing is, um, you know, going, going through something like this, it, it plays a game with your head in many, many different ways. Yeah. And I talked a little bit about that the last time I was on the show. We're not going to go down that road, but one thing I've noticed is my confidence has uh, been greatly reduced in lots of areas, cognitive, like remembering uh, things that I knew that I know how to, like I know I know how to do, but I just cannot. Uh, You're not
1: confident that, that you can recall that, and, and I just,
0: was experiencing that trying to fly. Mm, I was yeah. like, what, what is going on? Why?" why am I struggling to hover this helicopter in one spot and not, and I'm holding it. But in my mind, I'm like envisioning it just taking off. And I don't know. My mind was really fucking with, um, I guess, you know, it's starting to get more comfortable. That's kind of an age old story for me. It always has been, right? I've always kind of had that. Yeah. Uh, especially with the helicopters, but I was talking with Dan or with Steven up there. Um, one, Dan was one of the other guys that was with us. And I just said, I said, wow, this this disconnect is, is real. Like I, I since surgery. Everything just seems so much more difficult. Um, but, uh, pretty excited about that. Uh, this, these group of guys, this four guys, um, we're going to start, you know, I know you guys talked about it on episode 36, we're going to talk about, uh, or we're going to start getting together <laughs> if I, um, if I can, right. Uh, about once a month, just a group of us, and I'm really looking forward to that. Even if I can't go fly, I think I'm still going to go. Yeah, uh, for sure, just but, to be in uh, there. Yeah, it's it's fun. I'm I'm I've, I really I'm I'm happy to be where I'm at. Things could have gotten a hell of a lot worse, and therefore there was a significant amount of time in the last two months where I did not think that I was going to be here on the other end of this. Like I, am not, I, and I'm not being overdramatic. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, sell some weird dramatic shit, but yeah. there was a significant amount of time where I was pretty sure that this was it. Like, I'm not going to make it through this because it just was, imagine my biggest issue, especially when I'm dealing with it involving camping, you've all been sitting around a fire, right? And the smoke comes at your face. And just imagine being pinned there and not being able to move, but trying to breathe through that smoke, that heavy, heavy smoke. Mm, Yeah. But try doing that for 24 hours a day. That's what, that's really what I've been dealing with. um, When it's bad. Um, And that's, you know, it it takes its toll on a, on a person after a while,
3: right? Right, right. Laborious.
0: But anyway, we can move on from that. Anybody else do anything fun this week? (laughs)
3: Try to bring this back up. I did some fun stuff. What'd you do, Aww, Devin? Oh, I see it. I went flying Saturday and Sunday. Oh my yeah, yeah. Crashed? crash? No.
0: Huh.
3: No, I did not. I did not no, do that. No, I like
0: a good crash story, Devin.
1: You out there test I, I 760 USX or what? I,
3: uh, well, no, I was flying the Flash. But, you know, Dan, you did miss. I did crash at Spring Fling.
0: On Saturday when I was there?
3: Yeah. Did
0: you crash well, that gasser?
3: That no, sounded, no, no, no. Dude, no. that
0: gasser just was... It, I get it. When Nick bitches about the gasser, that thing really did not sound good.
3: Okay.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to say to that.
3: Uh, eh, I know, know you guys were tuning it. You were tuning it. I know. I get it. We were tuning it. And yeah, once it was tuned... it was super tuned, loud, dude. Once it was tuned, the power differential that comes from that pipe is 100% worth it for my flying style.
0: super ugly pipe, dude.
3: Well, they're they're testing a different one that might look a little better, if that's what, you know. (laughs) There's pictures on Facebook of a straight version of it just coming straight out. That looks pretty sleek. It looks sleek.
0: I'm negative Nelly today, Devin. Have you noticed that?
1: No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> uh, just make it a vertical pipe and roll coal right into the blades. Anyway, that's what,
3: that's what I yeah. No, you, but you tell me about yes. Your crash. So <laughs> I um I may have blown up a scorpion 130 12S. Ooh. oh, I knew.
0: Yeah, you were fixing that when I showed up.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. So you didn't see the actual thing. No, but like I was. I don't know what I was. I can't remember even what move I was doing or what I was doing, but Mike Lewandowski was with me. And he goes, oh, that looks super cool. And in the middle of cool, you just watch the heli go pew, and fall out of the sky. I'm like, well, cool. Like, <laughs> hey, watch it because I, I don't got it no more. So just see what happens. And uh, it, went into, it went into tall grass, only broke a servo uh, link. So... I fixed Lucky. it, but then I had to find an ESC. So I um, just so happened to rob it off of someone's heli and claim it for my own. <laughs> Mark the territory. Yeah, yeah. No, so someone that was down there, um friend of mine, he had a heli that he was like, oh, I'm not going to fly it anymore. It was, it was just doing it for something. And uh, you can take... The 135 YGE that's on there, and use it for yourself, and then we can just work out however much it it costs later when we get back home. He goes, I don't feel like worrying about it right now. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got a YGE on it. So now I'm flying it on a YGE. So haven't run it yet. Haven't run any YGES yet, but seems pretty cool. I like Not it. Blowing up yet? It's, it has not blown up yet, and I've pulled okay. 200 dams through it consistently, so it's doing better. Nice. So that was the crash story of Spring Flying. Very unentertaining. Uh, I'm sorry you had to sit through that, Dan, because eh. probably... <laughs> 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 I've had way better to tell you before. You know, like That's... exploding helis and stuff like that.
0: I like the exploding heli stories, especially the... <laughs> the gassers that you blow up at Springfling heard all about them
3: Oh yeah those were some big stories they were <laughs> the talk of the day <laughs> No but Springfling was a lot of sun, uh a lot of fun uh we got to see Dan it was great but back yeah. to this last week So I went flying Saturday and Sunday huge like so Saturday I went down to a local airport that we have an AMA chartered at, um, and flew there. And I flew with uh, bill Ann for most of the day, just went out and did some flying. That was great. I flew like the most flights I ever fly. When I go out and fly by myself, I did like 10. It was amazing. Fun. Nice. Yeah. And then Sunday I had a meeting to go to at two in the afternoon down at the beach. So I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be driving right past Ocean County, so I might as well get up early, drive down there, go flying for the morning, and then go to the meeting.
0: Is that where you met your drug dealer? No. It, I mean, that's, where, Nigeria, that's who you meet
3: at the beach, isn't it? No, it was a work meeting.
0: Oh, work meeting. That's what we're calling it these days.
3: Got yeah. it. Yeah, for one of the, I shoot professional fireworks. So oh, that's right. It was, mm. a, it was a meeting for the start of the season. And, uh, so I had to go do that and I was like, Oh, I'll go flying again. And y- yet again, I put in like five or six flights and it was awesome. I was, I did one battery pack of nothing but autos. So that was great. Inverted yeah. autos, nonetheless. And, um, cause I haven't been doing them a lot. And I was like, you know what? Before I get rusty and forget how to do something, I'm gonna practice. And I was doing all sorts of cool autos, tick tocking, flips, whatever. And I did a looping auto. It was great. Fun. Yeah. Had a lot of fun. Nice. And that that was mostly my weekend.
0: Alright.
1: Dude, uh, so Devin, you launch off fireworks. What you gotta do is you gotta get with like um like Urcha or some other place that's going to do like a big fun fly and contract or like contract out for their fireworks. So you guys can do like figure
3: out a choreography, heli choreography fireworks. Uh, We we were already asked about Urcha. We said no. Oh, really? Oh yeah. It's it's the problem is, is to do a show as the company. I would need to shoot the show because we do our fireworks with flares. Yeah. So we would need to shoot it and then we need, the whole ordeal comes in of bringing everything from New Jersey to Indiana across state lines and everything. Uh, yeah, in. yeah. The logistics just is a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you need a
1: you need a Jersey fun fly where you can fuck shit up. We we thought about it a couple of times.
3: We thought about it. We got yeah, it, they're expensive
0: though, aren't they? Isn't they? Aren't they like crazy fucking expensive?
3: It de- it like depends what you get, but like there's like the company that I work for uh, does all the fireworks that happens in Wildwood, New Jersey, for the season, yeah, and nice. it's crazy. It's crazy expensive.
0: What is Wildwood, New Jersey? Is that a theme park?
3: It's uh the boardwalk that oh, okay. we have here in New Jersey. Yeah. It's uh um, like Maurice Pier and stuff like that. All oh. that all that stuff that we have, and we do we shoot fireworks from the beach all throughout the summer, and then for the Fourth of July and everything like that. And they're like crazy expensive shows. I mean, we have I mean we're talking like one show can be like twenty grand, thirty grand. I mean, we I mean and we also money. have yeah, we also have shows that are like five grand. So
0: yeah.
3: it it ranges it depends what the customer wants. Yeah. But yeah, so that's what my meeting was for. So I, I did get to go out and go do some flying this weekend, which was great. And then preparing for an event. In two weeks, up in uh, New York, I'll be. Uh, but it's not a heli event. I was so. going to say,
0: what? Yeah, you know, the jet, right?
3: Yeah, it's for my dad's birthday. Oh. So we're going up there for my dad's birthday to fly jets. That's what he wanted to do, and it's his week end. So uh, we'll go have some fun. Sounds Planker-ish. Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's
2: Planker-ish.
0: <laughs> All right. Who's next? Guy, you had to have done something.
2: Yeah, man. I am in full swing of destroying shit again. <laughs> oh, no. So, obviously, last week you heard about the event and destroying my cracking. Yeah. So I, I had to do something about it. I need another electric helicopter. I was doing the math. It was going to cost me like, I don't know, 550 bucks 600 to fix what I broke. So I'm looking at it going, should I just buy another kit? So I ended up buying a raw uh, and then I power built that shit like literally the day I picked it up. I bought it Saturday morning, drove down to A-Main, picked it up, drove back home and then, you know, did some stuff with the wife to keep her happy because I had made a deal with her that Saturday was her day. Sunday, I was going to go to RCHO. So at like 8, 10, I start building this kit, and I power build the ever-living shit out of this thing as fast as I can. <laughs> Don't forget the like, Loctite. Yeah, dude. I laid all the bags out in order, so I knew where everything was, and I was like, all right, we're going we're to gonna freaking hit this. And I was talking mm-hmm. to my wife. I'm like, I'm not going to be in contact for the next like four or five hours because uh, I have a personal goal. I want to build a helicopter faster than I've ever built a helicopter before, <laughs> 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 because like I know me, if I'm not excited about the kit and it sits for more than a couple days, I don't fucking build it. I need that like new shiny thing excitement to build it. So I was like, mm-hmm. this has to happen today. The plastic fumes—you gotta you gotta have them when they're fresh. Yeah, you gotta huff them immediately. So I, I hit it like eight ten. I'm like, we're doing it. I think I finished at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock.
0: Jesus, it was like a
2: four, four and a half hour build. Awesome. Um, no test flying, just you know, basic check the links and everything. I'll set it up the field because V bar easy, it's fast. So I drive down to RCHO, check everything, get it all set up, and dude, maiden flight. I'm not even shitting you. I beat the balls off this thing. Like there's dudes back there going, "What the fuck? This is a maiden, <laughs> Jesus Christ!" Like, <laughs> 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 I'm talking like spring fling, sending it hard, first flight. And I'm like genuinely concerned I left stuff loose because I never built a helicopter this fast before. <laughs> <laughs> but everything went well, no problems. Um, it was actually a super fun day at RCHO uh, until Victor, you know, decided to pipe up and I did a little baby auto at the end of my flight because all of a sudden it said, battery, 0%. I was like, oh, shit, let me <laughs> just it Bring it in real quick. It was like I don't know, ten feet off the ground or some shit. So it was a little, little bullshit auto. But he's like, "Oh, where's this finishing with an auto?" Because I busted his balls like twenty minutes earlier. So I turn around. I just evil I am like, "Fuck you." So I click back into the I bank three, boom, send it up into the air, and I do one of those like really really high, you know, keep going, keep going, keep going things. And I hit hold, full positive. I'm going for a blade stop. And it, it mm-hmm. damn near stops. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, don't, you know, the blades yeah. are still loose. I don't know if I'm brave enough to do a full blade stop and let it tumble for a bit, but you could clearly count the blades. Like you could see them spinning oh around. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's good enough. Let's get it going again. And it was super windy, right up there. So it started blowing away like they like to do. Uh, so I spun the blades up, you know, just using negative collective, got it going again. Swoop down and it was one of those things where it might make it back it might not make it back let's <laughs> stretch the shit out of this auto and see if we can make it back but i never took into account brand new helicopter really tight belt everything's still tight and mm-hmm. it's like it's not making it back all the way it's just dying and dying Oh no! so I literally get it all the way back to the landing pad, and the blades are going just as fucking slow as the blades stop at this point. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, there's no fucking way. And it literally, like, I've never crashed a helicopter like this in my life. It whacks the skids, and the blades clip the ground, and they stop, and it, like, flips 180 and just flops, and there's no damage, no nothing. Like, the blades are still Hmm. super straight and everything. I literally... You couldn't have, like, just tossed the helicopter down like a bottle of water, any per, more perfect than it landed. I was like, holy <laughs> Wild. shit. I literally like autoed it and landed it on its side with no damage. And I was like, that's tits. <laughs> <Right>. And <laughs> but, then you go wipe your ass. Yeah. Sadly though, I looked at my brand new second flight set of RotorTech 700 Ultimates and there was like a hairline crack in the inside and the cord. Like Aww. they were still stiff. They still look structural but I just don't trust it. I run like 2400 on the head on a 700. And when there's cracks in the blades, I'm like, "Mm, not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Skip that. Yeah. So I lost a set of blades just for being an idiot, but it was a good day. Everything else survived. No problems. Um, and that was yesterday. And then today I may or may not have played hooky from work, uh, and flown all day in my local field with a buddy of mine. Mm. Um, we met there at like 10.30 and literally flew until about 4 o'clock today. Nice. And that was cool. Nothing bad happened except I started like trying to teach them how to shoot autos. And I did the typical thing where I explained the 45 degrees. This is what a good one sounds like. You could overshoot and dive or you can dive initially then like shoot across the ground as long as you have that, you know, general trajectory of starting the auto about, you know, a one-to-one glide ratio from where you want to land you can generally get it back. And then I was trying to teach them the different sounds, like, you know, this is the sound you want when you're building head speed, this is a bad sound, and like I do this is the bad sound, and it's still bad, and (laughs) it's still bad. (laughs) And I try and recover and like bring it around, but it's just not working, and I do the same exact thing basically as RCHO and I'm like, fuck! And uh, I flop it the same way, but the only problem I had is I just changed governor modes on my YGE and YGE, when you run YGE gov, it likes to run the can really slow during an auto, like, you know, I don't know, six or seven RPM or something ridiculously slow. But when I did the same kind of like bump and flop thing, it probably would have, would have been okay, but it started to electric chicken dance really slowly on the ground. Oh, sure. I was like, <laughs> fuck. Like I didn't realize I had to click all the way to motor off. It, it caught me off guard. And one of the revolutions, it whacked the boom. The brand new, pretty orange boom has a gnarly dent in it now. Aw, yeah. yucky. So that is officially a retired scheme. Putting it on the wall. I'm going back to the bulletproof carbon boom with a puma canopy. It's, it's going back to being a tool, not something pretty.
1: Well, it was pretty <laughs> for a minute there.
2: Yeah, it was super pretty to look at. But now it's become abuse mode. So it's, yeah. it's slowly becoming accustomed to its new way of life.
1: And that guy totally understands why, why you don't want to hear that bad sound. In a lot of- <laughs> 100%. percent <laughs> you got to see
2: firsthand how yeah, far great, you can push
1: it to the
2: point is, it doesn't work anymore.
0: Great <laughs> learning tool. There you go.
2: <laughs> so another thing, too, those, those S-Line, not S-Line, those 700 S-Blades, they fly amazing, right? But they certainly don't auto the same as normal blades. I don't know if it's because they're, they're so fat that there's more drag when they, they fly, but I feel like I'm really having to stretch the end versus like RotorTech or bigger uh, switch blades and stuff like that.
1: That makes sense. I guess if the cord width is really wide, maybe it uh, just burns off some of that speed a lot faster.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a difference. You know, going back to back day to day, doing autos both days, I'm like, oh, it's Didn't realize there was this much of a change in these blades, Hmm. but they fly great. So I'm running those till I can get more ultimates. Those nice purple purple shinies, fancies, yeah. But that's pretty much it. I mean, I've got it hanging on the wall right now, and it's dented glory. Um, I'll probably wrench on it tomorrow, swap the boom, and get her back going. And I have decided I'm probably not going to keep that logo 700. I love it, but. I am just not responsible enough as a human being to own a logo. And I do this every <laughs> single time. I, I, I buy it, I fly it, and I'm like, I love this thing. And then I think about crashing it, and I plow in all my other helicopters, and I'm like, this one's going to get it. It's going to die. <laughs> right, and then you're like, nope, I, I can't do it. Not yeah, fly. I still have a reputation where I've never crashed a Logo 700, and I'm terrified to change that.
0: <laughs> well, it's a surefire way to keep it is get rid of
2: it. Yeah, exactly. Keep, keep, keep so, a
0: reputation anyway. Yeah.
2: yeah. And uh, after all of the shenanigans that I've been up to and re-kitting my Kraken, I'm pretty sure I can't afford to keep it anyway. So it, yeah. it's going bye-bye.
4: Bye. Yeah. So
0: Rob.
1: Danielson,
0: Tell me you got some flying in this week. Yes.
1: There, some air was all of us. spanked. All
0: of us, dude. Is that a first?
1: Yeah, dude. That's like a full house
2: of like... <laughs> oh, wait, 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 man. wait. Nick didn't fly.
0: Oh, but he's not here, so... Uh, it, don't. He's busy. Working.
1: Dude, he, he's pretending to be a Spaniard <laughs> right now. Eating, eating fucking... What do they eat over there? I Escargo. don't know, Rob. Tell
0: us. What do they eat over there? I feel
1: like they eat escargot because it's Spain. I don't know why. But it's not tacos. You know, it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he he has said once that whenever he's on work, it's just like hotel and work. So it probably feels like Atlanta or Chicago or fucking it's probably eating hamburgers Boise. and french fries. Yeah, <laughs> probably <laughs> hotel food and shit like that, you know, fucking farting in the bathtub pretending it's a hot tub or something. But yeah, I guess he didn't fly. But that doesn't, like you said, Dan, that doesn't count. We all, everybody else flew. I got to fly a lot this week, which was cool. Actually, I got a bunch of shit done, you know, like I'm a new homeowner, right? And actually here this May uh, the 20th is the day last year that I got the keys to this place. Um, so I haven't Destroyed it. It hasn't burned down. And it's still here at all. The pieces and parts still work like they're supposed to. But um, I'm starting on some of the projects that um, I started pinning over the year, you know, that I want to do. Um, the house doesn't have any gutters on it. Right. So when it rains, I get this deluge. There's the vocabulary word from mm, last yeah. week. Right. I get this deluge of water that just pours right over the door, right in front of the door that we have to come into every day. You know, uh, so all eh, spring all summer last summer, it was us, you know, reaching through the waterfall to unlock the door and then like running through quick and passing bags through it really quick, just bitching about it. And so I last, it must have been Friday, I think it was Thursday, Thursday, no, Friday, I um, hung a gutter on that piece, that segment of the house and got all that figured out. And it doesn't leak. So that's good. So I did that right. Um, and that should keep some, that was getting a little bit of, um, the water would leak down into the basement from alongside the house there and that'll keep all that water off there for now. So I felt accomplished. That was good. You know, I got some actual like homeownership type work done, you know, um, and then, uh, um, started cleaning up the yard a little bit and just getting those chores out of the way, you know, get starting to get the the house summer ready, get the fire pit ready and shit like that, you know, but, uh, so after that, um, I had all my week's chores done and then I uh, spent the whole weekend flying. Um, I, on Sunday I flew all the helicopters. Well, all but the Goblin 570, um, flew my T-Rex 600 out. Uh, um, actually I, uh, flew it on Saturday, um, a few times and I noticed cause I had just set it up when I originally set it up. Um, I just took a quick spin through the castle governor setup up and, just left things kind of conservative, you know what I'm saying? Cause I was like, I just am more interested in getting it in the air and getting some flying time. in. this was last summer. Right. Um, but I'm back in the air here this spring and, um, my skills, I think are, they've progressed quite a bit, you know? Um, and so I'm able to push the helicopter a little bit more and I'm noticing that the head speed just wasn't keeping up in governor mode really. Um, and so and then I went back into the settings and I turned some stuff up and, uh, I had the, um, Governor was set to like low I think and so I turned it up to medium and so I grabbed it bites a lot harder now you know it seems like when I pull out and stuff I don't get that it would it would sag a little bit before and and now it doesn't do that you know which is good but um I think I clipped uh one of the tail blades on a landing the other day and so now the tail shaft is seems like it's a little bit bent so because I, I get this vibration uh and maybe i I feel like maybe it's been like that for a while but since I had the governor turn downs for so long. Eh, anytime I would try and push hard, it was more like just kind of like a, it was just a like a softer ramp up in power and softer ramp down in power. So maybe I just didn't notice the vibration that I'm seeing now before. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I've, had, I've been having fun fucking with that a little bit. Um, but since I had that vibration going, this was on uh, yesterday on Sunday, I had, I've got that uh, Mania X pack um, that she got me squared away with and then um, I've got these other cheap Amazon 3300s that I'll lace together as a 12 cell. And I had that one ready to fly on there, and I was like, nah, fuck this. The T Rex 500 has been on the wall for a little while because I've got this howling bearing that I just haven't I've done anything about yet. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, fuck it, I want to fly that one. And so I took that guy out and flew it, and it was pretty good. Um, it's kind of weird. You know, we had talked a couple of episodes back about like rates and expo and stuff like that, you know? So that was on my mind with this, um, with the 500. So I'm flying it around and, um, it just, the flip and roll rates seem just incredibly slow. And I know this is me coming from talking before about how I had my rates, all my rates turned way up high. Well, I got all the other helis dialed back, you know, to a respectable level. And my performance changed completely when I did that. Uh, but the 500 is like half the speed and I'm trying to figure out what is it that's causing that. And so I went back through the setup and all of that and, Mechanically, I've got everything as far as I can get it, um but I've got it set I think at uh in b BeastX, you can do like beginner, sport, pro intermediate, and expert, I think, and then you can go to transmitter um I've got it on expert right now, and I guess I don't know if I'm like having a brain fart here. I can't figure out why it doesn't flip and roll it faster than it does, maybe it's blades or something, but it's like I think Scott, you mentioned that, um, a hundred in the Mikado V bar, one of you, Scott or Devin mentioned that that's supposed to be 180 degrees in one second. Right. Um, yeah, something like that. This feels a lot slower than that even, you know? So I don't know if maybe like the only other thing I can think of is like on the bench, my servos are moving as far as they're supposed to, but maybe if, they're worn out or something like that and I'm putting it in trying to push them under load they just don't go as far that seems way far fetched so I don't know
2: so it's not like flybar days when the servos move a certain amount on the bench they don't do that in the air yeah so they're only moving that much on the bench because it's not achieving any rotation right on the bench so they'll move to their maximum extent they don't do that normally um not the same correlation, so I shouldn't have to think about it that way. Okay. Yeah. Uh what I fear is maybe your uh endpoints maybe aren't quite right for the B stacks. Um or that setting where you have to set your angle in the swash a certain mm, amount. Yeah, your know, your cyclic. I think that yeah. maybe is what your problem is. Cause when you did extreme, like it's not it's not that quick, or mm-hmm. whatever levels that highest right before transmitter. Yeah. Um, but it should be quicker than like, you know, something slow. Yeah, but yeah. I think you're at the point setup-wise and skill-wise where you can just go straight to transmitter mode and do it that way based on your endpoints.
1: Yeah, that's how the 600 and the X5 are set up, and I just left the 500 this way. And you know, it's you bring up a good point because um, I did go back through and I adjusted um, uh, my... Uh, I forget which setting it is where you can adjust your uh, collective pitch range mm-hmm. um, because I noticed I had some room, I was moving it around on the bench. I'm like, oh shit, I got like three millimeters here. You know, I'm like, let's fill that all up. You know, let's just use it all. And I didn't go back through the cyclic and make sure I got my six degrees and blue and all that shit again. So I should probably go back through there and just push it right to that, right to there and maybe go on a transmitter and just let it rip. Cause I, I'm comfortable with it on the other two. You know, I just never fucked with it on the phone. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I took a couple of flights out with that. And, uh, yeah, I did just mainly just in the yard, just, Doing circuits, practicing. Um, I've always had this hard time coming around, uh, doing a, like a clockwise circuit. Um, no, I'm sorry, counterclockwise circuit. Uh, and coming from when it's away uh, out at a distance, and you're coming right to left, and you're starting to turn nose in along your left side to come back across that spot there, I always seem to just lose, like, My forward, all my forward momentum, and I'm realizing that I'm I'm like resting on the stick. I think when I'm coming around, like I'm trying to pull it towards me or something. I don't know why. So I spent a couple of packs practicing that, you know, on that. Um, Took the X5 out too on Sunday. Um, Didn't didn't do a lot of crazy stuff just because, you know, my X5 is my vintage heli. You know what I'm saying? And I don't have a lot of. I've got some parts left, but I I don't feel like going on a manhunt for parts. There's a guy that I follow, he, he's on Facebook and I see he started, um, building up his X five and he's been flying. He's crashed it once or twice. And, um, you know, there's a couple of places that sell parts and stuff, but, and I, my, my, uh, my buddy, Dave Mullen from anything heli, I think he's up in the Dakota still. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's the Gowie rep, you know, for the, the U S so if I do need something, I can get it from him. You know what I'm saying? But I do, Are I they just, still
0: making parts for that heli.
1: I don't know if they're making it for the X5. Or they
0: just have parts in stock, I, I mean, someplace.
1: Yeah, right. I don't I don't know if they're actively still making it. Maybe they buy, are.
0: I used I to know. buy all my Gowie parts from Dave.
1: Yeah, dude. Yeah.
0: Back in the day. Yep.
1: Yeah. I remember back in the day when he first started that place, that hobby shop. Anything oh, his
0: garage.
1: Yep. You bet. Now he's the rep for Gowie and doing all doing the damn thing. But, you know, and it still flies as good as it ever did, you know, that my X5, but... I tell you what, my favorite heli right now has got to be the Goblin 570 Sport. I don't know, man. It thing is just... It's just like like we said earlier, the helis just want to fly. This thing just wants to fly. And it just... For me, it just wants to stay in the air. Um, uh, I can just do so much more on that helicopter than I can do on on any of the other helicopters. Probably because I'm putting more stick time on it and I'm more used to how it feels in the sky than the other ones. You know what I mean? But... Um, I tell you what, the, the analog version of my progression is just happening like hand over fist with me in my 570 sport. You know, I did, I, I t- yesterday. Well, yesterday was Sunday, right? Yeah. Today's Monday. So yesterday is when I flew all the other ones, just a, a final hurrah. It had a couple of packs here and there through the week while I was doing my house chores and stuff. But then today I took my, the 570 of the field and just flew eight packs straight through it. Um, and just fucked it up tell you what <laughs> dude yeah i don't know i'm just stoked um i still can't figure out how to get a good hat cam vibe going so uh, every now and then i'll stand here and i'll stare at my bench i have all the parts sitting here to just throw it on my head you know and i'm like i just don't want to fuck with that i feel like it's gonna fuck with my heli chi to have this camera on my head and be aware that i'm filming myself you know so i don't
0: are you are you still simming a lot
1: yeah, dude. Yeah, hours a day, probably. At least an hour or two a day. You
0: are not simming for hours a day. Come on, man.
1: Yeah, Come dude. On, like, man. like Call of Duty, brother. I was <laughs> simming. I sim today for probably a half hour before supper while, after flying. Um, when I work at night, dude, eight hours at night, in between half an a work and wait for more work, my sim is on and my transmitter is going, transmit. Or it says, uh, what is this transmitter inactive or some shit like that transmitter inactive and i gotta reach over and slap the stick so it's it up so i can work for a minute and then i turn around and i fly for 8 10 minutes 15 minutes dude i'm simming like all the time i swear to god
0: all right.
1: yeah if i was married my wife would be so mad at me she i'd be like those tiktok memes where the chick comes in naked to try to distract their husband it would be me with flying helis and i'd be like looking past her tits trying to finish my pyro flip and shit i don't know <laughs> Maybe it wouldn't be that bad. I've been single for a while. So if some naked chick walked up and sat on my lap and her tits to my face, I'd probably just throw the transmitter to the side and let it crash. Yeah, I wouldn't care. Even if it was a real heli, I just elevator forward, full negative. Let's get it on. So, but that's basically been my, that's basically been my week. You know, just every week I just continuously try to find time to, uh, practice my thumbs in the sim and get outside and fly. Even if it's just like, um, the, uh, um, my, uh, oxy two, I've got like nine packs on it. And I just spent nine packs in a row, um, between a couple of days ago and today, just flying circles around in the yard and then just stopping in front of me doing these little mini FAI, like 90 degree hover and up at an angle and then come back down and go around it. And they don't, you know how it is. Well, Oxy Two is little, like the logo 200, you know, you hover it. It doesn't really stay in one spot for a super long time. So my steady hover is like the size of a, I don't know, basketball hoop or something. As long as the skids are somewhere in there, that's my spot. <laughs> and I'm, so that's just, that's just me, man. That's just what I've been doing this whole time. And man not a sheep. peep, not a peep from my neighbor, dude. He's been outside a couple of times, you know, and doing his own thing, but I had no more bitch. And maybe he's got a son that's over there that's, between his age and my age probably you know actually I'm sorry I'm old as fuck what am I talking about he's younger than me um, but maybe he was like man he's not hurting anybody leave him alone <laughs> he so wants he to stopped. come
0: He wants to come over and have
1: you teach him how to play helicopters hey maybe 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 we'll get a convert an old <laughs> the guy know. convert yeah so, cool beans man yeah yeah good times fun fun times flying my doing rogue sport out of the ball field into my backyard nice yeah
0: well, I think it's about time for some news. Huh? What do you think? Yes, yeah, some news. It's the news. Gonna have me some news. News. <laughs> news. Oh, Lord. Peter. I have a comment I could make, but
3: Dan won't like it.
0: Okay, go ahead.
3: Do it anyway. <laughs> ready? Who's ready for the Heli Direct minute? The Heli Direct minute?
0: <laughs> the news brought to you by HeliDirect!
1: Hit him to the back!
4: What's up, dudes? Welcome to RCHN News. Sorry, I'm missing the gang again this week here in Marbella, Spain, for work. But not having much fun down here. It's all work and no play. But still going to make sure we get the RCHN News in. So with that, let's get to it. All right, so this week, Scorpion announced a telemetry adapter for Spectrum radio systems. So Scorpion is releasing a Spectrum XBus telemetry cable. So plug one end of it into your Scorpion ESC. And the other end in, into the uh, XBUS telemetry port of your Spectrum receiver. This will then give you all the telemetry features you're accustomed to, including flight pack capacity, RPM, BEC voltage, and others. So, this of course means you can then set a variety of telemetry alarms in your Spectrum radios when using a Scorpion ESC. Uh, no integration, however, at this point. All right, in other news, uh, Spirit has announced more details about their Spirit Wave radio system. Uh, this one is particularly interesting to me. Uh, you can now find this information online at spirit-system.com. So some specs of the new radio system meant to integrate with Spirit's FBL seamlessly are a large 6,900 mAh battery for long runtime, touchscreen, fast quad-core 64-bit CPU, USB-C charging, thank you very much, Spirit, Uh, Runs 30 channels, has both built-in Bluetooth and Wi-Fi for updates, as well as cloud and logging support. It's made of high-grade aluminum. Looks to include a nice zippered soft case as well. Uh, Trims removed from the front face in favor of a, quote, innovative trim mode, which is, quote, tailored for planes, end quote. Uh, High-quality gimbals, configurable switches, ball-bearing hall sensors. And uh, the radio is going to run on Spirit's own uh, operating system. No word yet on price or availability is currently listed as 2023, with pre-orders opening, quote, soon. But uh, I'm certainly, you know, always happy to see more folks innovating in the radio space. And this is the first true contender, although there are others in the works, uh, working against Mikado, I believe. This is a fully integrated system, you know, program the and set up the entire FBL purely from the radio. Uh, And the one thing it may, and granted, you know, uh, information is is only preliminary at this point, but the one area they may have Mikado beat could potentially be in much improved performance with airplane setups, which could, since already Spirit's known to be an excellent flying FBL, really put them in competition with Mikado, because honestly, we haven't had another radio with full, true, seamless, easy setup and integration, uh, although there are some that offer some of these features uh, in quite some time. So. I'm excited to see what comes of this system. Uh, certainly JR is working on something similar as well. So it's great to see more manufacturers uh, innovating in this space. So stay tuned for more from Spirit. All right, Seen online this week, uh, Sean Corbin showed his simple solution to grounding the boom of the Align TB70. So he did this in the classic way using a short wire, a couple of eyelets on each end, and a couple of screws, one into the frame and the other into the boom. So apparently some Align TB-70 owners have had some reception issues, and it appears as if the boom not being grounded to the frame due to that large sort of plasticky bit at the back of the boom may be what's causing it. So certainly if you're a TB-70 owner having any reception issues, definitely give this a try. Certainly not everyone has experienced these problems, but it's a good practice to make sure that your booms are grounded to the helicopter anyway. Lastly, in our News of the Week, or just put out the call on Facebook for both individual supporters as well as sponsors for the US based FAI, F3C, and F3N Worlds competition in just a few months. Apparently, after negotiations with the FAI, it appears that unless $20,000 can be raised for costs, then the Worlds will not be able to happen in a few months. Now, I want to distinguish here that it's important to know that the event is put on by the FAI, and that Urcha is simply the host of the event. So the FAI sets all of the rules and requirements, and Urcha just facilitates them. So this money is to cover all the costs related to worlds, including facilities costs, judge travel, hotel costs, rental cars for judges, and many other costs associated with the event, porta Polis, trash cleanup, etc. Uh, Both Dan Lucente and Augie from the Urcha board have been seen online discussing this. And it looks like this late need for funds came about due to the last team needed in order to make the Worlds event official only just now registering, because they do require eight nations to have the competition. does sound as if a lot of the teams are struggling to cover the cost of Worlds this year due to waning sponsorship funds and honestly just the overall decline of raw numbers in the hobby, leading to less sponsor involvement and dollars. So I'm certainly sad to see this shortage and honestly quite not sure how I feel about it all yet, but I do know That several uh, well known hobby companies in the United States are considering substantial contributions to help them keep the event going. I know a lot of pilots have worked very hard for their day of competition, and I truly hope they get to have it. So, if you want to be a part of making the world happen in the United States this year, consider contributing via the Urcha website at urcha.org and then navigate to the shop section, and then you'll find it available in the store there that you can make a donation uh, to make sure the event happens. Uh, They're accepting donations in a variety of sizes, all the way down to $25 and up. Uh, I have seen the British F3C team post on Facebook that Worlds is happening, so not sure if they have information. We don't yet, so I know contributions are coming in, uh, and would certainly, if you're interested, encourage you uh, to do so and help support Worlds. Okay. Lastly, let's do some quick news hits. So Align's new Nitro 700, the TN70, is now in stock in dealers worldwide, so if you're looking to get one of those, you can grab one now. And then, interestingly, RotorTech showed a picture of a new set of F3C-specific blades that they have in testing right now. From the photo, they look to be about 720 millimeters long, according to the graphic on the blade anyway. Uh, no details on them beyond that so far, uh, but stay tuned for more on that. Certainly with some F3C blade manufacturers going out of business lately, I know this is going to be of a lot of interest to those, and I'm sure a lot of folks will anxiously await their arrival. In other news, X-Guard and Augie released a video of a new X-Guard adapter for the OS Max Gasser ignition system and engine. So if you're considering the MA Interceptor Gasser with a smaller OS gas-powered engine, you can use this adapter to convert the data from the OS ignition sensor into usable RPM data for modern FBLs. It lists for $39.95 and is available now at xguardrc.com. It looks to just be plugged in line with the sensor and then a cable from there to your FBL will get you RPM data. Speaking of gas-powered helicopters and that same OSGT-15HZ engine in the MinAir Interceptor, it looks as if gas-powered helicopters Dot com has teased a gas conversion for the sab goblin raw 580 using that same engine perhaps this will be a growing trend seeing 600 size gassers uh, using the gt 15 hc so certainly we'll be curious to hear how it compares in performance to the nitro raw 580 and uh again always good to see more new models and conversions coming to the market all right with that that's all i've got for the news this week back to you boys
0: That was the news. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, Bye, that, new,
1: that one
2: thing he talked about. I'm really glad I really heard disappointed, that
0: here. disappointed.
2: Yeah, I think it was yeah.
0: about that one thing.
2: Well, yeah, the new I mean, radio, the new radio um, and flybarless. The new wow.
0: radio thing.
3: hmm Can't wait for that. That thing was. Yeah. Yeah. The thingies and the thing and the other majiggers.
2: Yeah. Were, I want to try that.
0: Well, I heard so, that. uh I heard that um the Mikado stuff is in state or yeah. in country oh. now.
2: Yeah. Who's getting it? one? Spirit. Spirit came out with full cool integration
0: that's what i've heard dude yeah. have you flown that primerless system i you're have not i'm gonna, state state gonna state. try it you're gonna give it a shot or yeah
1: dude yeah i want to try it i can't wait to see when pricing comes out i've been kind of trolling the website a little bit dude the radio looks fucking cool man i think it looks really sweet antenna list on the top uh the gimbals look really nice actually the gimbals look like what in the drone world you can buy, okay. So on the Radio Master TX16S, right, they come already with Hall Effect sensor gimbals in them, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I assume that Mikado's V Bar probably, their, their V Control probably, I would really hope after all the money that people spend on these fucking things that they have Hall Effect sensor gimbals in them, right? Um, so in the Radio Master TX16S, the, the stock gimbals are Hall Effect, but they're plastic body gimbals or, right they're all built with it's all plastic components or whatever but then you can buy these upgraded gimbals called the ag01 gimbals and they're full cnc aluminum all, uh it's not actually hall effect it's some other version that's supposed to be better than hall effect I don't, I don't remember exactly what the acronym is for it but the point is on the front plate of those gimbals is this weird kind of we spidery looking uh engraving that's on there right and that looks exactly like what's in that Spirit fly bar list. And I looked all over the website to try and figure out what's the gimbals. What are these gimbals? And I can't figure it out. So Spirit, if anybody knows from Spirit, fucking hit us up at rchnv3.com. Uh, hit me up at rob at rchnv3.com because I want to know more about your system. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? The, the controller, the units, they look pretty cool. They look like, um, they remind me of like a,
0: well, they've been know. around a while, right, Scott? They've been around a while. Spirit Flybarrels. Yeah, a
1: long time. And then a couple. Yeah, of years I remember ago, it Nick. With Glenn used to, yeah, was an on okay. board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know that, but so
2: the radio is the new thing. Then is that right? right? The Integration, yeah. dude. That radio is the shit. Looking because they used Just to integrate screen. really well with Jetty, and they had a Jetty yes. receiver built in. And now they've got oh. their own platform, and yeah. the integration looks next level compared to what it used, what it was before with Jetty.
1: Dude, yeah, it looks cool. It looks cool. I guess uh, I- I'm interested to see what they're going to do, wh- how the flight characteristics are going to be because they're they're touting twelve accelerometers in the thing. So I want to know what what other kind of logic are they going to be using to use all those extra sensors? There's nine motion sensors in the radio, so like a like a like the the six axis the old DualShock kind of deal with the PlayStation, you know, in the radio. So I more speed
0: back on the sticks.
1: No, you move <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, they actually start shaking it. (laughs) Fucking the taser on there when you do the trick (laughs) wrongs. No, but so if it's got motion control in the radio, I wouldn't expect you to be like flying your machine with motion control. I mean, people do that with like the, you know, homebrew Wii mods and stuff like that. You know what I mean? But there's got to be some sort of neat thing that they're going to be doing with the the accelerometers in the radio, you know, the motion sensors in there. So that'll be cool to see what that is and what it's supposed to do because. As far as I know, there's any other radios that use motion sensors in the bo- on the
2: boards in the radio. You know,
1: what's the well, purpose?
2: I want to know what the does. purpose is. In the radio? Okay. Well, yeah. So what so are you use for? You can, like, shake the radio to the left and the menu opens. You shake it to the right and the menu goes oh, okay. back away.
1: Sure. So it's more for, like,
2: UI type yeah, integration. User yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. Word. I want to flick it and make the, the heli do a backflip. No, that's such like, a
2: bad idea. Trust me. It sounds good, but it's no, a terrible no, idea. No,
1: that would be... That would, yeah. that would be a recipe for a disaster. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Chicken.
1: Chicken. <laughs> Dude, I'll do it. I'll try
2: it. <laughs> Just not with my own shit. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to keep the like, sticks where you want them while moving the radio around. Oh, my God.
0: All right, guys. So we have a interesting interview. I think it was interesting anyway. Enzo. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's an outro. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot his name. I forgot oh. his last name. No, Albert Albertoni. Oh, that's right, Albertoni. Uh, <coughs> professional RC car driver. Been doing that for a number of years, fifteen years, he said. So we brought him in to talk to him a little bit, see the parallels between his aspect of the hobby, of the RC world hobby, which would be the cars, uh, transitioning into the the helicopters. A little bit of comparison, talking about some of his experiences and uh, what he's looking forward to getting into. Um, We'll so play
4: that for you and be right. This is Carrie Shirley with gas powered helicopters. When I want to know the latest going ons with RC helicopters, I listen to Dan and the guys at RC Heli Nation version 3.
0: All right, guys. Well, here we are. We have with us a special guest tonight. He was at the Spring Fling, as I understand it. I was there, but I didn't get a chance to meet him. I was in diminished capacity there, so I didn't really get the chance to talk to anybody. Enzo, and how do you how, say your last name for me, dude? I'm going to get it all fucked up. Albert Tony. Albert Tony.
5: What is sounds the like word? A, how are you guys doing?
0: Good. Sounds like a. you make pizzas? <laughs> uh, no.
3: <laughs>
0: no. It's not the first time. Although you've heard
3: we, that can. Joke.
5: we can we can we can't do that. <laughs> <You> can,
0: <laughs> so Enzo comes to us from a uh, friend of Scott's, as I understand it. Correct? Yes, Scott.
2: Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: And Enzo is a uh, involved heavily in the RC car world, but he's making a. Uh, I, I understand you did in the past, but are returning now again to the dark side of RC helicopters. Yes.
5: That's right. Yep. How oh, yeah. How many helis you got? Right now, I only have two. Uh, I have my SAB 420 ROLL, and then okay. uh, before I picked that up, I started out with the Goose Guy S2.
0: Nice. When are you going to get a big boy helicopter?
5: Uh, next week.
0: Next week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm
5: not, you not already planning it. What are you? What are you getting? A orange and blue Kraken 580.
0: Wow, you really bought mm. into that SAB Kool Aid, haven't you?
5: <laughs> <laughs> we might have. Yeah. Is <laughs> that Scott's
2: old Kraken? No.
5: <laughs> no. If it was comped, it might have a missing tail casing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'll sell right you yeah. frankly,
1: half off. <laughs> <laughs> Literally half of it is off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, Enzo. We're gonna we're gonna kinda get to know you a little bit. Tell us uh you you, you do RC cars, uh, very competitively as I understand it.
5: Correct. Yeah, no, I've I've been racing now for about uh this year we will actually make year fifteen. Oh wow. Uh, hey. I started probably when I was, I started going to the track heavily when I was in the fifth grade, but I was actually racing a little bit before that. Uh, my dad actually bought me like a used uh, nitro buggy that I started messing around with at the house and just kind of got really in tune with, you know, working on an engine and taking it apart, and clutches, and the whole science of, you know, figuring out how to tune and stuff like that. So that's how it started. And then, probably in like the fall of oh nine, you know, heading into 2010 is when I started going to my local indoor track. And then I was hooked from that day on going forward. As soon as I walked in and kind of saw everything happening, I was, I was on it. Where,
0: where where's local? Where are you from?
5: So I live right now in, uh, Stevensville, Maryland. So that's on the Eastern shore, uh, of Maryland, probably about 20 minutes from Annapolis. And if anyone's ever vacationed in ocean city, uh, you have to, you have to, Cross the, the Bay Bridge to get there. Well, I'm on that island right after the Bay Bridge. So I'm on the Eastern Shore right now, but I used to live in closer to the uh, to the DMV area where my tracks at, which is in Gaithersburg, Maryland. That's closer to that, you know, DC, Maryland, Virginia, like inner city, closer sure. to D. DMV. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of where we, we grew up was in that area.
0: So I don't know if I follow, but for whatever reason I get on my Facebook, I get a lot of RC car stuff from some guys that, I mean, who apparently are very good at what they do because they're traveling all over uh, the world, as far as I can tell, at least the United States. Is, or is that kind of what you did? Did you do a lot of traveling here on the East Coast and over to the West Coast?
5: Yeah, so probably I'd say around the time that I uh, graduated in high school, maybe a little bit earlier than that, actually. When I was in middle school, I started uh, hitting a lot of out-of-state races. Um, I would drive with buddies and we'd go all the way, you know, as far as New York and as far down as Alabama to go to races. And from that point on, it kind of started to scale, you know, results, you do better with results and, you know, you eventually get picked up by a team or two and you start racing for manufacturers. And that's kind of how it happened for me is I just tried to, you know, put my head down and kind of learn everything about racing in terms of setup, you know, dialing in the car from one track to the next. Figuring out tire combinations and you know setup packages for your shock setup, uh, your diff oils—it's all you know one big play, right? It's probably—I would have to assume it's no different than you know you look at the best heli guys how they know exactly right. what they like to fly with pitch setups or you know not a hundred percent sure. To, don't butcher me on it, but I'd assume maybe uh, helis have different link positions you could put on for the head, maybe to. Uh, change the feel at how quickly the pitch rolls on when you're going through the collective well it's no different with racing in terms of you know you start to generate a package and a setup that you like from you know indoor electric running off-road all the way out to you know running outdoor nitro buggies you kind of generate a driving style and the way that you like your car to feel going around the track and i think with with helis it's probably no relatable you know everyone has a different flight style and you kind of adapt your your tuning and your setup to that so kind of that whole process of figuring that out is what I spent years kind of working at. And eventually uh, it propelled me to, you know, a lot of big opportunities with traveling. I've been all over the country to events and have been able to, you know, be involved with R&D for a few manufacturers before, uh, debut some cars as well. So it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's given me so many opportunities to meet so many people across the country. It's really been a wild ride, but RC's kind of shaped the, I guess, shaped my youth in a way.
0: Sure. So is that, is that something that you can make a living doing or, I mean, or did you have a, a full-time gig on the side or, you know, a job on the side and then just travel when you could, or were you just, this is what you were doing? You're like traveling around the country racing.
5: Right. So, you know, Probably when I was younger, you know, more of a kid, I was, I was all about it. You know, I was definitely, I was definitely chasing that dream. So to say, uh, there are people that do this full time as a, as a career. Uh, there's probably, I would say about seven to eight guys, uh, okay. that really make a pretty comfortable living doing this. You know, you have, you know, Spencer Rifkin, Ryan Mayfield, uh, Jared Tebow, Uh, you have a couple more guys in that whole top 10 mix, uh, you know, across the world really that do this, but there are people that do this as they're, you know, they're nine to five, you know, they'll, they'll spend days at the track during the week testing. And then, you know, when a big race rolls around, they're probably flying, you know, two to three times uh, a month, they're out of the house at an event. So it's, they definitely, uh, can take it to that level.
2: Like early on, you said you did heli stuff too. Yeah. Can yeah, tell I did. a little bit about that, like how you sparked that interest, how you got into it?
5: Yeah, so actually right around the time that, uh, a little bit after once I got my gas car, I always liked flight. You know, I always liked, you know, military jets and just flight in general. I was always a fan of it. And right around that time when I had my my first car, I actually had a Blade CX2, the co-actual mm-hmm. uh, red canopy heli that my dad got me. From like a local hobby works. And I had that for a little while and kind of was fooling around with it around the house and starting to get, you know, comfortable with it. And then I eventually progressed from that and I had a small uh, little T-Rex 450 fly bar. And that was the biggest that I got to at that time. That was, you know, the max that I got to before I stopped. But I had that for a little bit and was starting to venture into, you know, soft 3D and kind of like, you know, just getting comfortable playing with collective and doing a role and nothing crazy, but it was right around that time when I like really kind of hit it off with racing and kind of got hooked on the racing bug that I had to make that decision at the time. It's either, you know, you pursue racing and you put all the funds towards pushing the race mm-hmm. program, or you let racing go and we get into flying. And I kind of made that decision to push Helly's off. And I went you know, really hard with racing all the way until really just a few months ago, uh, or it was stick with helis, but, you know, coming back to it now, I really wish I would have stick around a little bit, probably been better by now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. I would imagine not to keep going back to, uh, the car stuff, but I, am just intrigued a little bit. Uh, I, we do want to get into the heli aspect of, of what you're doing and, and, and get your thoughts on that as well but um that that traveling around and you mentioned the, you know the, the diff- different oils from your shocks and the different setups that shit's got to get
5: expensive right oh yeah no absolutely uh you can you can you know if it, it's very hard to be able to compete at a certain level without um that backing with companies and with teams right because you know, I, I see it all the time when we go to races or we'll travel and hit, you know, different events across the country. You see a lot of people that, you know, free agent guys that just, you know, they do this purely 120 percent out of pocket. They don't run for anyone. They don't represent anyone. They're just, you know, they're out there having a good time. They like racing there. Sometimes they have their kid with them. And, you know, it's a father and son team, but they don't have any, you know, any help in terms of, you know, equipment, either yeah. chassis or electronics or tires or whatever the case may be to help them hit these races. And it's, you know, I can only imagine if, if a company wouldn't have taken a chance on me to give me a, you know, give me a shot and help me, you know, push a little bit harder with help. Uh, I honestly don't know if I would be able to, to say that I've gotten the accomplishments or have gone to the races that I have been able to go to because of that help just because of, you know, the cost and how expensive it can be.
1: Yeah, sponsorship helps a
5: lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's you know, and again, for the club level guys that will, you know, race maybe every Wednesday night or like every Friday night racing at their local track and they don't really have intentions of traveling and, you know, going to the really big national level events. Uh, I think it's a little bit easier to be able to do it that way because you don't really have to worry about, you know, always having new tires or having the latest and newest equipment. You can kind of just enjoy it for what it is. Sure. But I think when you make that, you know, you take that leapstone jump and you go from the club level and you say, okay, now I really want to be competitive at the national level. I think that's where you really have to, you know, either have uh, the family support, which, you know, a lot of younger kids have where, you know, mom and pop, will so fly them out and take them to events, and they have the backing to be able to do that, or they're going to have help with a with team or you know multiple sponsors to help them get them to events or save money on equipment. So, it's it's definitely hard to do it without any help. So I know oh, no, you're.
2: No. Oh, go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. I was going to say I know you're sponsored by Team Associated, right?
5: correct yeah yep I run for so i run for a few companies but yeah associated is the uh the main chassis that i run for across the board for eight scale you know outdoor 10 scale indoor
2: okay do you have a tire sponsor or do you want to talk about all of them just
5: yeah no uh yeah so uh, I run the team associated cars I'm sure Scott you've mentioned that just from listening to the previous uh podcast when when you guys were talking about it a little bit I know you had said you were uh, running a little bit of eight scale, maybe, Well, you had mm-hmm. ran the associated car. So, yeah, I, the associated chassis and then uh, Reedy Electronics, uh, then as well as J Concepts tires, uh, factory team hop ups uh, that they make is their parts accessory line. And then uh, San Juan radios is what I run for, uh, you know, all my transmitter stuff. I think maybe they even used to do helicopter stuff in the past when there was airtronics, maybe. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah, um, was one of those. yeah that was yeah. Good.
5: Yep. So now it's San Juan, but them as well. And then just a few small ones like, you know, PT Racing, they make all the shock and diff oil that I like running. Uh, Frank Denny from uh, FDJ Motorsports, he makes all the, the tire prep and the additive that we add on to our tires. And then uh, my buddy, uh, Zach Rose at Ninety Two Zero does all my stickers and apparel.
2: It's cool that they got all these new tire prep compounds and stuff and different companies making it. We gotta We got to start doing that. We got to make blade prep. Blade, and, uh, blade grease we start with
0: blade prep we do, we do we used to do a commercial for blade spray blade yeah. to, get, yeah. to get better efficiency out of your blades <laughs>
2: i oh, wish man. we had shit like that like if it made a difference i know it doesn't but which, funny as hell which
5: spray will help you slice through the air quicker yeah, yeah. yeah. give
2: you juicier farts we found I need windex on my skid so it bounces better
0: yeah we we found windex worked the best <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Enzo, so we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit. We we've established that you that you are indeed establish, established in the RC car world. We now want to learn a little bit about what brings you back, as it were, to RC helicopters. Was it this hooligan Scott?
2: Did you <laughs> somehow here? I don't think this? I had anything to do with it. You had anything to do with
5: it? <laughs> <laughs> no. So it was actually um, my buddy. Uh, Jason Pelletier up in New York. He's from Long Island, but uh, I know him from racing, and he actually is a longtime racer as well, uh, out of Long Island. And uh, we, you know, we've known each other for a while now, just from races that we've hit, you know, in Pennsylvania, running eight scale and outdoor. And I've always, you know, known him, and we've chatted before. And good dude. And it was honestly probably about three months now. I'd say like three and a half, going on four. Uh, it. I don't even remember how it really started, but I, I think I came across like a Tariq video on YouTube Uh and I've always kind of been a big fan of how that guy throws down. It's pretty insane. And I saw that video and I I just, I want to say I started watching Heli videos a little bit and just, you know, started as soon as you click on them, you know, we could probably all attest as soon as you watch a video, two days later, you get the suggested and you Mm -hmm. get a couple more. Yeah. And that's kind of how it happened. I clicked on like a Tariq video or something and it came back and I was like, okay, you know, we'll watch it some more. And then the next day something else came up and I started to like get more into it again and started watching more videos. And I want to say I joined like a heli group on Facebook, like one of the aligned groups or something like that, just to try and, you know, dip in a little bit and see where things were at from the last time that I, that I flew. Cause I flew, you know, the last one I had was a four fifty Align, aligned. So sure. I was probably going to go that, you know, that route. And, uh, Jay was in that group and he sent me a message and he's like, Oh, I didn't know you did helis and this and that. And we started messaging from there. And he starts, you know, sending me little messages every now and then he's like, dude, you got to come back. You should come back. Nice. You know, a hmm. couple of weeks go by and that's kind of how it, it folded. And then I, you know, I finally bit the bullet and I got a, a goose guy S2 and picked up an NX eight radio and just started to to sim a lot, really. You know, I didn't even want to go to the field until I kind of knew basic orientation again before I went out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I went out the first day with the S2 and did like a soft punch out and a little roll, it was, I was hooked from there on again. <laughs> I was like ready. Crap, yeah, I was ready. I was ready to get back into it. Like I, you know, I wasn't able to get to it before.
2: Nice. No, that's- so, so that guy, Jay, that you're talking about, remember on the podcast uh, like a month or two ago, guys, I was talking about like a RC paint chat group and yeah. some guy came out of the woodwork and knew about the podcast and everything. Yep. It's the same guy.
3: Oh, oh okay. yes. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know he was up here, too. Yeah. I didn't know he was in my neck of the woods. Where are you at? I'm in Jersey.
0: Oh, okay. Can, can't you tell? <laughs> 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 His lack of all the time about how this one talks. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, it's alright. It's because I'm from Jersey, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you don't even make fun of them, right? And you live there. No, no, that's that's the Wildwood people. We can we leave them alone.
0: I don't, even, I don't even know what that means, Devin. We're, <laughs> we're going to let it go, though. So, Enzo, you, you picked up a couple new hallies. You're going to be getting a bigger one here coming up in the next week. But you were recently at the Spring Fling, I understand, yes?
5: Yeah, yep.
0: How long were you there for?
5: Uh, I was there for all of Saturday. So I showed up probably at like 10 on sat saturday morning maybe a little bit before that like 9 30, right. 10 and i didn't i didn't get home till probably 2 a.m
0: did you uh get a chance to meet there were some pretty big names there did you get a chance to meet any of those guys
5: you know i didn't i didn't really want to i don't know how to how to put it i didn't really want to go bother anyone so i just you know i as soon as i got there uh i found where my buddy was sitting at Okay. Uh, linked up with him. And then he went to go buy some food and I actually got introduced to his local crowd, which is Mark Federoff, uh SAB guy, super awesome guy. Uh, he was really cool and nice to me as well as uh, Andrew Lacks as well. Okay. And they kind of introduced me to their whole crowd. You know, everyone that they came down with from Long Island, um, you know, started introducing me to all their, their guys and showing me around a little bit. And I didn't really want to go bug anyone because I know you guys are trying to lay some smack. So I was just there observing and hanging out. Um, But yeah, no, that was, that was Saturday morning. And then I actually invited a few of my off-road buddies to show up as well. um, One of which has never flown before. And then another one used to fly back in the day, had, you know, like a line six hundreds and stuff when they were fly bar. And he showed Mm -hmm. up with his brother later in the day. uh, And it was awesome. We were there all day.
3: Yeah, it was fun. If I remember correctly, you guys got all got to fly the Logo 200, didn't you?
5: Um, It was just so the buddy of mine that flew was Jeremy, and that was the guy that's never flown before. Okay, which,
3: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, Dan, I don't know if you knew this, but Doug Darby had the flight trainer there from Mikado. Oh, did? Yes. Yeah. I didn't and know that. Oh, and we had all the kids trying it out. Anybody that didn't fly, they were all trying it out. It was really cool. It was actually awesome to see how yeah, it performed. It was
5: pretty legit. I was yeah. pretty impressed to see how that, you know, how uh, how friendly and how approachable it was for, you know, my buddy Jeremy's never picked up a a transmitter before to fly. So when he got behind the sticks, uh, I know the guy that had it maybe was uh, Alex Dean, maybe. My yeah. Guy.
3: Alex Dean had it. Yeah.
5: Yep, And he was kind of walking him through everything and like showing him what to do. And as soon as he got a little bit comfortable, he kind of took the the rounds of the heli and was flying it around a little. And I was like, that's awesome. You know, someone yeah. that has never touched a transmitter before to be able to pick it up. That is pretty and, cool. You know, know that you're not going to bury it, but at least be able to, you know, float it around a little and, you know, maybe work on tail end or side end. So that, that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it was, it was it's Definitely beats bouncing a coax off your bedroom walls, huh? That's
0: right. <laughs> I tell you guys that I know it's expensive, but I think that's, that's like the somebody sat in a room back when they were, this was in, you know, in thought process and, and they're trying to figure out what they want to do with this trainer. And I think this is exactly the use case, right? I mean, think about yeah. that. So, you know, uh, you put some guys behind the sticks, and they don't have to necessarily worry about crashing anything. And they just get that—that's like handing them a, a you know, a free eight ball, right?
1: But yeah, here you go, buddy.
0: You will be back next week for more. Okay.
5: Yep. We'll see you then. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bring your wallet next time. But no, that's a great. That's that is freaking awesome. I love that.
5: Yeah, no, it was great to see him to see him fly that. I, I didn't ask uh, Alex if if it could, but I, does that trainer like allow you to go like soft three D and be able to push it around a little? Is it kind of
3: confined? I didn't I didn't see that um, because even in like the advanced mode, it only has like a thirty degree bank until it'll take it from you.
5: Uh, okay. from
2: my questions, you can go inverted in that safe mode. You can. Oh, I was told you couldn't. Okay. Uh, well, no, oh, well, yeah. no,
3: I, I was, that was a question mark at the end of that. Sorry. Um, oh, no, I was it, told you it couldn't. It sounded like a yeah. statement, Devin. No, no, it was a question mark in my head. Okay. <laughs> I
2: guess. Um,
0: Dude, if I could see what was going on in your head. You don't want to see that. I just
2: see that. Yeah, I
0: don't scratch that thought.
3: No. <laughs> so from, from what I saw, you, it has like a bank angle that you're allowed to go. That's from what I saw. Yeah. Max angle. Yeah.
0: So Enzo, I want to ask you. You know, you, you mentioned earlier talking about watching the track videos, which we've all googled. You know, and, and just sat there and watching. And just Jesus Christ, what firmware does this guy have, right? <laughs> and um, you know, it's it's one thing. And I and I think back years and years and years ago when I transitioned from you know, and I don't was the sprinkling your, first of all. Let's was the sprinkling your first Ellie
5: event? It was. That was okay. actually my very first time so, going to a legit, like, organized heli event.
0: All right. So you're watching these videos on, on YouTube, obviously, and it's kind of sparking your interest. Can you paint a picture for me? What What was it like when you show up at this field and you see all these helis in the, in the sky, but then you happen to notice that somebody, and it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you were watching a, some sponsored pro pilot because there are a ton of really good pilots who are not necessarily sponsored pilots. But anyway, the point is you're watching this helicopter defy gravity in in every which way, shape and form that you can imagine. Can you, what's going through your mind when you see that?
5: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, you know, I, just from all the YouTube and all the videos that I had watched on, you know, Tariq and then uh, some of the other like global 3D flight videos with, I want to say Duncan, can't pronounce his last name, but uh, there's another Duncan Bussoin maybe. I don't yeah. want to butcher that, but yeah, I've like, nice watched enough. his uh, global 3D videos as well. And then Kyle Stacey's and, you know, in footage, it's one thing uh, right. when you see all of that going down. But as soon as I got out of the car and walked up to the flight line and was watching Uh, jb robertson do like a test flight with his tron and i was standing maybe 10 15 feet back from where he was flying and that 700's coming right at you and he does a blade stop it's uh, it's pretty fucking real no he didn't capture he didn't catch me out of pocket tell you that much (laughs) (laughs) i I knew that he was probably good enough to do that um (laughs) but it, it was it was awesome it was definitely awesome it it's you know, I, I said it to all my race buddies, even the ones that didn't come out just from the photos and, and videos that I was sending them. I was like, look, the next time these guys have an event, which I think is in the fall, I said, you guys need to try and come out at least a day and watch this because videos don't do this justice. Right. When you see, you know, this massive behemoth of a machine swinging samurai swords, right. uh, just chopping up the air, defying gravity, you know, TikToks and Pyro flips and you know, even going back to the flight that I was able to film of Nick Maxwell doing his morning nitro flight with the 700, that was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I can't kind of grasp how his brain works that quickly for you to mm-hmm. be able to put combinations together like that. Um, but it was absolutely awesome. And I think from the moment that I got there in the morning when things were a little bit calmer before everything kicked off all the way into watching the night flying. Uh, as soon as I drove home, I was like, I'm, I'm hooked. Like we're back.
1: <laughs> yeah. So intense in person and visceral. Yeah. It's yeah. A- it's,
0: it's a complete, I just, I, you know, it, it just brings me back to a time and place when I went to my first tele event and, and this was, you know, a long, long time ago and it just doesn't, you know, watching it on YouTube just doesn't, it's cool. Right. But man, when you see it in person for the first time, it's, um, it's amazing and still still today you know when you get to watch some of these really good pilots fly and i the same thing right it's like you're you're like how the fuck how do we? even when i watch scott and devon fly i'm like jesus how the fuck are they following that right how do they know yeah it's like, it's like all programmed in there or some shit i don't know
2: different program like again it's incredible like that age-old quote gotcha bitch <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus. that's right, that's right. <laughs> you're hooked now yeah. that's right i just cool, close
3: though, my man. eyes you just close <laughs> your eyes and it just happens yeah i just close my eyes and and you know i'm like oh god take the wheel <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. so hey Enzo, did you get a chance to fly your 420 down there at spring Fling? did you get I, your words out or what
5: i actually didn't take anything with me because oh. i I don't have my AMA yet and I don't have, uh, I haven't joined the club yet, but luckily for me, I was able to find a a little club in Laurel, uh, Maryland. That's only like 30 minutes away. So I think probably starting next week, I'll get everything started to to join that club. So I can, you know, when I'm not at the track, I can run out and fly the the big 580 there as well.
2: Are you in the RC Heli Hangout too? That group online?
5: Yep, I am there. Jay added me to that one probably like 2 weeks into when I was flying and that 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 impulse probably is what made me jump in so fast. I started seeing all these photos and videos of guys getting crazy with helicopters and I was like, "Okay, well, I think we're back now."
2: <laughs> so, I would I would post up there too and see if you can find maybe what fields the most heli-centric one in your yes. area too. Cuz you may join one that's like mostly planker field, but you know, 10 miles away there's one that's like, you know, a bunch of heli guys go to. So, it's worth posting up and seeing who's where.
5: Right. Yeah. No. I actually, I actually did a little bit of, you know, research on my end with that uh, because I, I, figured out that was a little bit of an issue. There was a few clubs to go to, um, ones in PG County, and then there's another one closer to me, like called like Chesapeake something narrow Modellers or something like that. And I talked to them, and they were, you know, they were cool. One of them gave me a call, you know, gave me a call to break down kind of the rules and stuff like that. But kind of like you said, they didn't really. I don't want to say they weren't friendly towards having a heli guy there, because that's—I don't want to ever, you know, spread anything negative or false like that. But they—they they were more lenient on if I would have said I had a plane, if that makes sense.
2: Sure. Uh, yes. Yeah.
5: So as soon as I got that vibe from them, I was like, you know what? You know, we'll—we'll we'll keep looking, and then I found this other one, uh, which I think is called Free State Aero Modellers, and it's in Laurel, uh, Maryland. And I got to talk to one of the guys that flies there. I think he's one of Kyle Stacy's really good buddies, Beast, I want to say. And he was the one that told me that there was like a lot of heli guys there. And he flies 3D as well. Um, Then I saw a video that they had like a promotional video on YouTube of that field. And I saw like SAB 700s in the video. And I was like, okay, that's probably where we have to go. Perfect. That's the spot. So that's probably the one that we'll be joining. Uh, and I'm hoping to be able to do that like another week or so.
0: Hold yeah. I, I, um, the club that I belong to in Montana was, uh, an absolute old blanker club, but I got to tell you after, after a little bit of time and they kind of get to trust you, get to know you, yeah, I was flying a lot. It really turned out to have some good times. I wouldn't discount them. It is harder for a heli guy to get into the gracious, you know, the, the good side of those old plankers sometimes always, always better to try to find a club that just from a camaraderie standpoint, you know, flying with other people really does help.
5: So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get other people, you can kind of like push off each other a little bit, you know? Yeah,
5: Yeah, no, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping that, you know, there's, there's some guys there that, you know, can, could definitely throw down and that have been doing it a while that I can learn from and, you know, ask uh, the same questions that, you know, when I'm out of track, someone would ask me on help with their car, getting their car right. Uh, it'd be great to be able to to have that relation with uh, with some of the more experienced heli guys there to be able to learn more and continue to kind of push to, to get better. That would be awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And I think finding those finding those guys is uh, probably going to be pretty easy over here on the East Coast. Do you have any issues with that? you mentioned helping other people at the racetrack, uh, in, in your, you know, current RC car hobby and looking for something similar. I've always been told and heard and, and never really experienced because there really was no such thing as RC car racing in my general area where I grew up. But I've always heard that it's pretty polarizing. It's, uh, you know, people are not necessarily willing to, to show you their track secrets or their setups because they want to get that, you know, that competitive edge. Is it similar? Is that, is that, is that, is that, uh, I don't know, hyperbole is that, is that my blowing that out of proportion or is that kind of the way it is?
5: Um, I would say it's a tiny bit blown out of the water, but you're not far off. And I, you know, I hate to say that just due to the fact that again, like I've, This is something that I've done since I was in the fifth grade. So, you know, I love everything about racing, all the people I've met, the experiences that I've been able to have with traveling and meet so many people. But, you know, there comes a time when you do this, you know, a while, whether it be racing or for you guys probably flying and you've been around a certain amount of people to know the ins and outs of the industry, how it works, you know, how certain topics can break down and happen in terms of event organization or right. bringing reps into teams, you kind of start to learn the the politics side of racing. Or right. you know, in your guy's case, it could be flying as well. But uh, I would say that, you know, today uh, is definitely a different racing style and racing mentality than when I started. When I started, when I was a little kid, I feel like the entire mindset at the track was different. Everything from sponsorship to uh you know, the club camaraderie with, you know, your club level guys, just, you know, local club racers that don't travel anywhere. Just they go, you know, do Wednesday night racing and that's about it. Um, everything has kind of changed from, from that point going forward. Uh, so I, you know, I would say that nowadays, I think there's a lot of younger kids that get into it and it's, you know, it's awesome to see, uh, when you walk into the track and, and it's, and it's not people over the age of 25, 30 plus, you see a kid that's 12, 13 years old, you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it, it's great to see a kid like that doing this yeah. and not, you know, PlayStation or Xbox. <laughs> or. So it's it's awesome because when you see a kid at the track like that, you want to help them. You know, you <laughs> want to share that, that enjoyment, that fulfillment that racing gave you when you were a kid, and you want to try to make sure that that doesn't fade off on that kid. So in my eyes, you know, especially just the way I was brought up with the, the crowd of racers that showed me the way when I was a little kid and, you know, the role models that I kind of followed when I was growing up right. at the track is I always tried to instill that mentality, which is especially if you run for someone, you know, if you race for, in my case, Associated or some guys run for Losey, if you have a contract with a manufacturer to represent that product, you should have zero even hesitation. And if you see someone struggling at the track or you see a new racer, in this case, it could be a kid or it could be an older person. You should be doing everything in your power to make sure that if they're having a tough time on a club night and you're there, uh, you should put down the wrench and go help them. You know what I mean? You you should like, in my mind, if I see a kid struggling or if I see someone struggling, What's the point in me holding the information of how to get my car better or, you know, how to drive and pick and choose a better line going around the track that could make that person go from, you know, four to five tenths a lap slower on the pace to maybe only two tenths off or, you know, telling them some pointers for certain sections where they could improve on just little things like that. I've always tried to do and and to try and continue to do anytime I'm at a race or at the track is to, you know, share information and and share that knowledge on, you know, how to get better or how to be a better mechanic. Um, Just, you know, in general, that mentality is kind of what I'd like to continue to do and what I try to instill, you know, even to other people that I've kind of taken down, you know, over my wing and, and, you know, some of the younger kids that have been racing at our track that like to follow what I'm doing is I try to instill that, um, to, to always be helpful, you know, be approachable. There's nothing worse than going to a big race or, you know, a national level event. And you have, uh, you know, a family or a kid walks in and he sees all these pros, uh, and, you know, Again, I'm not going to name any names or I'm not going to call anyone out. This is just in general, but it's hmm. something that I have seen. And, you know, that person will go over, super excited to meet them, get a photo, you know, maybe have a little autograph on their body. Like they'll take their RC car body with them to the track with a Sharpie and have all the pros sign it so they have some cool memorabilia from the weekend. Cantari. I thought you
2: meant their body. Like, no, a, we're it's not it's not like, Can <laughs> you sign my butt
5: cheek? <laughs> Can I have a tattoo, please? although messing around at some races, uh, we have done that before, but uh, we won't, we won't get there anyway. (laughs) Um, but yeah, you know, I've seen that happen and they get shot down or, you know, that ex driver, whoever it may be that I have seen for some people before, you know, they'll be like, Oh, I'm busy right now. If you know, we can do that later. Or, they're just so focused on their program and focused on getting ready for the next race or the next right. round, you know, with prep or working on their car, and then that sometimes, you know, leaves. Comes a, across. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it and it kind of leaves a sour taste in that person's yep. mouth. But what I try to explain to even some of our locals, when this topic has actually come up, um, our track has held uh, two uh, Roar Nationals for off-road at our track which Roar is, you know, our sanctioning body, I guess it'd be like you guys, Urcha maybe. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we've had two off-road nationals there and when the Nats come, all the pros will come and some of our locals have had the opportunity to meet some of these pros. And sometimes when this same interaction happens, they'll be like, oh, you know, he didn't really want to say anything to me or he was busy. And what I try to, you know, remind some of them is at the end of the day, some of these guys, uh, the difference between TQing around and qualifying or not is, you know, being able to pay your bills or not. So right. some guys that you go up and talk to, this is their job. So when they're out the track, they're not hanging around, like they're in the office. So right. sometimes I, it's that, you know, that fine line between approaching the paid guys that do this for a living and approaching guys that maybe don't get paid but they're really fast and they don't have that pressure of having to perform, right?
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I, I get that. And I do know just talking with some of the uh, top-tier pro pilots in the in the uh, alley world over the years, um, you know, there is that, that aspect of when they're – especially when they're at a competition, I mean, they're there for a reason, right? And they need to focus on that. That's why they're there. And, um, and when the time is right, the you know, the meet and greets and the, uh, socialization aspect of it, I'm sure happens, but when they're in that competitive mode, they're there for a reason and they need to focus. And I get that. And I think overall the, the theme is the same. I, I, you would be hard pressed and I think everybody here can attest, um, that anywhere you go, any fun fly in the country, if you need help with something and you, and you, actually ask. I mean, people can't read your mind, right? Um, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anybody that won't stop what they're doing to help you. And, and, and I mean anybody in this hobby. Uh, I'm too you know, busy. I mean, like, like, you know, except in the rare occasion you might be at a competition or, you know, and the pros are there and they're, they're, they focused, right? Obviously, but there's so many willingly uh, helpful people in this hobby and it doesn't even <laughs> stop I mean I had uh Devin's dad Devin and Devin's dad fix a lift on the back of my car for a scooter right I mean had a fun fly <laughs> so my point is they there the help is there you need to ask for it right right um you need to be no one can read your mind and if you're struggling with something you got to say something
5: right yeah no absolutely I I think that you know and again like the vast majority of the races that you go to you know, across the country, the big national level events. I'm going to say that like 90% of the time, that's the case with racing. Like you can walk around the pits, go to people that you know, or any other, you know, any other racer that's there, even your own teammates, you know, cause we all pit with uh, our teammates that are running the same car. You know, you'll have like team associated pits and you'll have an x-ray pit and everyone's pitted together. So there is that camaraderie aspect of, everyone working together, sharing setup information amongst your team guys. Um, I think it's very hard-pressed to go to a race nowadays and not get the support, but I, but I have seen it, and there still are occasions where sure. you go to events, and you have guys that, excluding the paid guys, excluding the people that do this for a living, uh, you do have guys that don't do this for a living, and treat it as if they were, and they mm-hmm. have that mentality of, you know, thinking that they're a paid guy, which, you know, I'm all for it. You know, if you want to take it serious like that and you want to, you know, push and be very focused at the track, I've been there. I've done that. I've chased that path before of trying to push to, you know, to do it for salary before. Uh, It's fun. It's got its benefits and stuff. But for me and my beliefs on racing and overall the hobby in general, it isn't something that I wanted to continue to pursue because it was starting to burn me out. They was starting mm-hmm. to take the fun and enjoyment out of it. But some guys just don't really have that realization, right? So mm-hmm. they'll, they'll continue to travel and go to all these events and they have that mentality and mindset. And it's, it's unfortunate because it's those individuals sometimes that, you know, a newer racer will ask for help or, you know, even at the club level, that person will be racing and taking a club race super serious and you'll have a new driver out on the track and accidentally hits them. And they get frustrated on the driver's stand or they get upset. And it's like, at the end of the day, you got to take a step back and be like, look, man, like, you know, we're racing RC cars, bro. It's like, <laughs> you,
4: gotta,
5: you know what I mean? Like you got to, yeah. you got to just take it for what it is. It's like, yeah, for we're sure. pushing. it's, it's super serious. We got a lot of money invested in our equipment and going to events. But at the end of the day, if you take a big step back, no one's ever going to tap you on the shoulder on a shopping mall and be like, holy shit, it's that guy. Right? That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. So I feel like some people in the industry, either it be racing or whatever, should probably just take a step back and take it for what it is and enjoy the factor of what you're doing versus pushing for a mentality and a mindset that only comes to maybe 10 people counted on your hand that do this for a living in the world.
0: Right. I I, I don't know why, but I always thought it was more than that. I thought the RC car world was just much bigger
5: Oh, it's huge. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's massive. Like it's, it's huge in Europe. Um, it's, it's really big in the States. I think the States probably has, uh, the biggest off-road talent pool, maybe that might strike some, some rivalry with the Europeans. But, uh, I think, uh, the off-road scene in the U.S. for indoor or outdoor, uh, I think has a lot of talent and there's pro guys that do this for a living as well in Europe. But I think in, in the U.S., it's probably about like, 10 guys, maybe 10 or so around there
0: by nature. And I could, I'm certainly not this, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I do think by nature, every event that you go to as an RC car driver is a competition. So I can understand a little bit of standoffishness, right? It's a competition. I mean, like I said, it's not an excuse. Whereas at a helicopter, a fun fly, it's not really a competition, right? Right it's a camaraderie. It's a, it's a place to go hang out with friends. Some people go to fun flies and never fly. They just want to hang out with friends they hadn't seen in a long time. You know, just an observation, take it for what it's worth.
5: Right. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's exactly, you know, the way it is, you know, normally our, you know, any big national level event that, you know, I'd either be flying out to or driving to is it's all a race. So it's, right. it's 120%. You're there to, to compete, do as well as you can to, you know, represent and not only represent to, you know, the teams that support you, but to try and, you know, throw down with the other top guys that are going to go there. Um, and I think, you know, any national event that we go to is that's the mentality that you approach it with, especially if you're competing with the basis of, you know, representing teams and trying to push for the best result that you can. But I think, you know something that's again, and this goes back to when I said that you know racing's changed over the years. Is I really think that the club level, you know, the local club racing level, your local track for Wednesday night or Friday night racing, you know, just that core group of locals, that club level mentality has definitely died off over the. Years. It's not. It's not as big as it used to be. It's right. it's it, what should be treated as you know the same as your guys with the fun flies you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a club race. It's just, you know, it's bragging rights for who was the fastest of that week. Cause then the next week you guys are going to race again. Right. So it's, that's where, you know, especially for me as a little kid, kind of going to club races on Wednesday nights, that was where I've honestly created a lot of the memories that I have and, and that I can recall of having the most fun, uh, at, You know, at a track or at a race was at a club race with all the buddies there hanging out, you know, shooting the shit, just, you know, taking it for what it is. You're just there to have fun and have a good time. And then everyone goes to work. And in my case, I'd go to school tomorrow. But, you know, that mentality and that aspect of it isn't the same as what it used to be. And I think, you know, tracks all over the country have taken a loss in terms of the club scene dying off, either that be the cost or the competition that being, you know, gaming consoles and technology and everything that kids would rather be doing, you know, your, your attendance for weekly club racing has been a struggle for tracks all over the country. Uh, and I think if we could get back to growing that and kind of enjoying that environment, I think it would, it would definitely propel racing, I think in a better direction.
2: Right. Yeah. I had a ton of fun doing club races. And just like you said, like it, the attendance just started to dwindle more and more and more. And it didn't really have the same vibe when you're only racing with like two guys or three guys, you know?
5: Right. Yeah, but- absolutely. And then it doesn't help that it, it becomes increasingly harder for uh, someone to jump into it. And I want to say we actually had a conversation about this, that spring fling before yeah. the night flying, which was it, it's getting very hard for uh, a new guy to jump into this and to get started, you know, and, and everyone talks about it. How can we grow it? How can we get more people to, to jump in? But I think it kind of comes back to the marketing aspect and who we're promoting these events to. You know what I mean? And I don't know if, if in the Halley world that's a discussion. Uh, or if it's something that has caused a, a spark for debate, if it's, you know, if the numbers have dwindled in the past couple of years they have. or if it's been a struggle to bring new people in. But I can tell you in racing, uh, it definitely has been a huge topic that, you know, teams and companies are trying to spark an initiative on to bring people into racing. Uh, but ultimately, it's, the you know, it's a matter of marketing and, and sharing that idea to the right crowd.
2: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head with the fact that the club races are a little bit easier for people to get into kind of, you know, test the waters. It's a more relaxed environment. So you make more friends. Uh, then you can go to the races, you know, the, the regional races or even national races if you want to. But I'm, I think I made the mistake of doing eight scale buggy. And the first event I did was beast of the East, like this huge event, you know, right. and I was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> say the least but yet club races and stuff once a week you know it was kind of awesome i'd I'd go one week i'd kind of watch you know see who's who see who knows what they're doing the next week i'd show up with a car maybe chat with some people and maybe jump in like a you know novice race at the time or something and i just kept doing that working my way up and Mm -hmm. this was 10 skill on road but um just kept at it and it was a ton of fun i met a lot of super cool people and i got pretty good at it but um, I don't know. It's just, it didn't have the following to sustain it like every week, which really sucked because I loved it.
5: Right. Right. And that, and then that's, you know, that becomes more of an issue as the seasons come around as well. Like, as, you know, especially for my local track in Gaithersburg, uh, the track raceway, when the summer comes around, you know, the guys that run outdoor and run eight scale or nitro or, you know, maybe they don't even race in the summer. They like to do other things. Uh, our club attendance is almost you know, cut in half from what it already is. So if you're lucky on a Wednesday during the summer, you're lucky to maybe have like, you know, two heat of like five people per heat. So 10 guys max, you know what I mean? And that's, it's tough. I mean, my track owner has been in that building since 84. And the fact that she's been able to keep the doors open that long and, you know, keep it sustainable for so many years, uh, is, you know, is incredible. And, I, you know, I, I do anything I can to go help our track owner, uh, Mimi Wong. She's, she's awesome. She's been around a long time and we try to, to definitely pitch in and help when we can, but you can definitely see that cause and effect of, you know, attendance dropping and, you know, entry, entry fees for club racing or big races start to go up a little bit. And it's like, you have to, you have to, you know, offset those costs or else you can't keep doors open. And I think that ultimately comes back to hurt the new guy. Because when they turn around and see how much it costs to pay for track fee or how much equipment costs, it's because in a way, I don't want to say the industry is sh- shrinking because I don't think it's not in terms of aid scale. Um, but it is, you know, evidently clear that the club level uh, has been getting smaller. Yeah, it's a
0: tough one because I know we've been in the uh, RC helicopters for a number of years now and, and- what would be, I guess, considered a decline. I mean, the heyday, uh, well, the, the most recent heyday, I guess, anyway, has been quite some time when, you know, the participation levels were just much greater uh, in, in for everything, right? urcha uh, kind of being an indicator back in the day, I think the last time I went was uh, like 2015, maybe 2014, and there were like 980 or 990 registered pilots. Wow! Not that that's a clear indicator of, of uh, you know, the participation in the hobby itself. There are other factors at play there, but you know, it's one, it's one indicator, right?
3: Yeah, I and, mean, and I
0: don't, I don't know the solution, I really, don't.
3: I remember Urcha. Urcha twenty sixteen was the first Urcha I went to. I think that was the biggest they ever had. It was like over a thousand registered pilots. Yeah. it was just crazy.
0: That's crazy, right? For a, a lot of folks
3: exactly Mm
5: -hmm. and and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but urcha has it's not only just a fun fly right it's like a competitive event is it not
0: urcha itself isn't now uh but they host and help with other competitions right at the ama headquarters in Indiana. but urcha is a uh uh What's that called, guys? Uh,
2: special interest group. There you
0: go. <laughs>
2: special. Yeah, the SIG.
0: The SIG, yeah. So they, <clears throat> you know, in concept, they're supposed to be helping with growing growing the hobby. Some would disagree that they've actually been doing that over the years. Most maybe would disagree with that. Um, but anyway, either here or there. It is one of those things that, that I know the manufacturers and the small retailers have really been, I don't know, trying to figure out. I mean, there was a, one of, you know, BK Designs, Bert Camera. you're probably familiar, right? I guess he's pretty heavily involved in the RC car world in and, and some aspect, I guess, with servos. But, uh, you know, they, they created up uh, a hashtag, keep RC helis alive, and, that, you know, that was an attempt to try to... Mitigate the loss of you know the revenue and potential you know people in participating in the hobby. I don't know how effective it was, but I, you know a lot of it I think is. Um, and I don't know for cars how expensive it is to get into it, but I know in today's world it's it's really not that bad, especially with the uh, the uh, technology of these smaller helis that they're coming out with that are just relatively inexpensive. Um, it seems to me that the price of entry shouldn't necessarily be a barrier especially for smaller helicopters you know, obviously when you start getting into the 700 you're looking at you know a couple three thousand you know thirty five hundred dollars yeah. for good stuff but you know, you can budget that stuff out I don't know about cars are they crazy expensive to get into I mean just just if I were to go to a hobby shop that had a track what would I look at spending to get into the hobby
5: uh, I think it has a lot to do with what class you would want to get into. But uh, I can tell you, at least at our track, the go-to for a beginner is like buying like a Traxxas Slash, uh, like a two-wheel drive or a four-wheel drive Traxxas Slash, uh, which comes ready to run. They give you, uh, I think, like one nickel metal hydride stick pack. They give you a charger, I think, um, and then they give you your radio as well. And I want to say that kit goes for about like 500-ish, 500. That's not bad. So it's not bad. Uh, and, you you know, that gets your feet wet. You know, you throw the car sure. down and you start, you know, driving around the track and you start to get a feel for what it's like to, you know, go fast on a track and that it's not, you know, some people think it's really easy to, to go really fast on a track or, or they don't think it's as challenging, but it definitely has its. It's ins and outs on you know the science of breaking everything down you know corner to corner and line choice and everything that you do on the track is going to affect that lap time in your overall Mm -hmm. pace. Yeah, and it I think it's over the years you know the more you do it you'll eventually uh, get that you know that craft built. But to initially jump into it, that's what most people at our track will buy. But I think where you know there's a big gap is between is. Bridging that beginner like basher, have fun in your backyard type car, like a slash, and then mm-hmm. making that transition to a full blown race kit, like a team associated car or a team losi or X ray buggy or short course truck, where at that point, you know, you have to spec out the whole build, which is no different, you know, than getting a nice helicopter where you have, right. to, you know, at that point, you need to get your servos and your motor and your speedo and you have to spec it out, you know, the way you want. And I think it's that, you know, big gap where the cost starts to get a little bit high for someone that's really new. You know, you have to go out and get a good radio, which can set you back anywhere from 350 to 400 for a good transmitter. You know, then you have the race kit. Again, if that's a buggy, it could be anywhere from 300 plus to 400. And then again, you have to go with, you know your spec'd out build, so you got to get a motor, a speed control, a battery, you know servos. And after you're fully invested and you have all the equipment to go race, then you got to ask yourself, how are you going to work on it? So now you got to go out and get tools yeah. as well. So now you got to, you know, I've been using MIP tools for years. I mean, MIP Thorpe wrenches are have been around for a long time. So that's yeah. an investment that I didn't have to worry about really upkeeping. you know, when I first bought them, of course, drivers wear out, you eventually buy a new one. But for a new guy, you know, if you make the list on everything that they need, you know, you factor in a metric tool set, the nut drivers, everything that you need to work on the car. And by the end of the list, you know, to jump into racing at the club level, you can be anywhere from at the low side, maybe 12 to at the high side, every bit of Mm -hmm. $2,200.
0: You know,
1: and that's
5: and if you think about it, like, take a step back and, and think, you know, would I buy all of this for a 12-year-old or for a 13-year-old? And then for them to do it two weekends and not want to go anymore? Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> you know, so.
0: I also, I can't help but I think, I would assume there's just a hell of a lot more consumables with RC car racing than there would be with helicopters. though so there's, you know, there's really...
2: Spencer's right. flying.
0: That's flying. Unless you're Scott. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then you're consuming shit every weekend. And, uh, <laughs> right. Crazy amounts. But generally speaking, I mean, you've got, I just remember I did dabble in cars, not nowhere near what you and Scott had been doing. But I mean, just trying to keep myself in tires. I was like, Jesus Christ, you know, cause I was doing on road racing on pavement and uh, it just, you know, there's a lot of consumables back then.
5: Yeah, no, there there definitely are. And that's, and I think again, that kind of plays into the new guy on, you know, why it's a little bit harder to get them to stick with it is that consumable aspect. You know, you have tires, which depending what surface you run on, you know, if you run carpet or you run dirt off road or you even run outdoors, like I know the A Main Hobbies track in California has a massive uh, carpet outdoor track or maybe AstroTurf, but. Depending on that, you know, your tires wear either really fast or they wear slow so you can get, you know, more days out of them uh, versus, you know, X, Y and Z with a different surface. So you have tires that at the club level again, and this all kind of breaks down to how why club level racing originally was ideal is because Mm -hmm. at the club level, nobody cares, like nobody cares if you have, you know, the best tires or you know, you have the best motor and battery in your car because yeah, they're all competitive and you know, the majority of them will buy a new set of tires for their buggy every, I don't know, every other month maybe. So they're only spending, you know, a hundred, 110 bucks on tires every other month or so. And they get four to five weeks of running out of them because we run slicks on our track. Um, but it, you're 100% right. You know, that consumables aspect is what can make it a little bit harder for for new guys to jump into it. Um, as long, yeah. I feel like as long as you're not bearing a helicopter, you probably don't have any any consumables.
0: Yeah, especially starting today. When I started flying helicopters, I started with a JR Vibe 50. And um, every time I took that helicopter to the field, I came home crashed. Every time. And it was not crazy bad crashes it was uh it was a tor tube heli so I was stripping bell gears all the time in the tail became like a NASCAR pit crew replacing those ge- umbrella gears right
5: you knew that helicopter inside and out of yeah
0: think. I every day di- I would order those damn those gear sets six seven eight at a time uh, it, it has, I'm not even kidding every time I came home with a broken helicopter but uh Different, uh, different time, different place. It wasn't that big of a deal for me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think that's one of the issues. A lot of it is uh, today's, you know, getting the young kids away from their phones and their TikToks and their social media and then everything, um, and getting them out to the flying field. It's nice yeah. to see when you see it, right? It's, no, it's, it's fantastic.
5: All, yeah, no, it's awesome. Like when you see it, you know, a young kid at the track, or if you see, you know, I saw a little kid at the uh, at the spring fling. He was there with his dad, and he was like buddy boxing, and you know, starting to get into like soft 3D. And I was like, that is awesome. You know, he's flying yeah. a 580 that's like three times bigger than the kid. And he's throwing it around like it's nothing. And I remember we were there with my buddy Jay and Mark and those guys because we were in line to fly at that spot. And when the kid landed, we were all like, was that dad? And dad turned around in the, in like the V bar radio was hanging from his, uh, the neck strap that they have. And he wasn't even holding it. He was like, that was all him. And we were all nice. laughing. It was awesome to see that the kid was having so much fun. And yeah. just to see that was, was really refreshing.
1: I hope it doesn't happen soon, but I can't wait to hear your first crash story because everybody's got one. <laughs>
5: oh, that already You've <laughs> already got one. Oh, uh, you do. Well, share it with us then. Yeah, that's a good one. We must know. Yeah, so I I buried my 420. That was fun. Um, but we were trying to uh, just I guess push it a little bit, and that's where my buddy Jay was like, "You should just you know take it easy, work on the orientations and circuits a little." And I was. I was starting to dab into that after I came in, and I was starting to get comfortable already to where I could push the helicopter a little bit and do things that I used to do when I had my 450.
0: Mm,
1: yeah, and from it, back it started, in the day.
5: It started to come around a little. It, it was weird to explain, but it was, I kind of started to remember the things that I used to do.
1: Yeah. And I like started Like your to do just that. kind of move a little bit.
5: Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I was doing punch outs and bringing it toward, like doing rainbows across the field towards me, like elevator rainbows. And I yeah. had them going really good. I was maybe doing like three or four of them coming towards me and then using like elevator, rudder, and cyclic at the same time and getting the tail to like pivot at like maybe 10, 15 degrees to turn and then punching it back out again. Basically drawing like big W's across yeah. the field. Yeah, yeah. And when I got on the last one and I punched it out across the field, I leveled off and did a half pyro flip and it was the skids facing me, the tail to the ground and the disc facing away from me. And in my brain, I was like, let's punch it back out towards me. And for some reason, I kind of dumb-thumbed the elevator and instead of getting the tail to kind of pivot towards the sky so when I did punch out with negative, it would come back towards me. Yeah. I accidentally bumped positive and it almost like shot towards the ground a little bit. And at that Ooh. point it was maybe like ten, ten, fifteen feet off the ground, and I just start going forward and back with the elevator. Like I my yeah. brain couldn't process either level the helicopter inverted or bring its skids down. <laughs> oh, no. And it was like if you looked at the helicopter, it, the yeah. nose and, the, and tail were bouncing forward and back because I, <laughs> I was just, I was dumb, like I couldn't process the, the move. Like a drunk dude walking down the street. <laughs> whoa, whoa, exactly. Whoa, so, whoa. Exactly. <laughs> so as soon as this is happening, the helicopter is falling out of the sky. Luckily, I'm at zero pitch, so it's not really descending quick. Yeah, and then last minute, maybe when it's seven feet off the ground, I slam forward elevator, and the skids come back down, and it goes nose first. Didn't have enough time to hit throttle hold, and I completely obliterated a brand new set of oh. rotor texts on my 420. Oh man, <laughs> I was still pissed at the, like <laughs> as soon as it happened, and it went in, and like that explosion sound from the blades hitting the dirt. Yeah. Uh, I was mad. And then when I started walking over the helicopter, I just started laughing because I was like, I can't believe I didn't hit hold. You know, I was. Yeah. When I'm in the sim and I'm practicing in the sim, if I know I'm going to crash, like it's almost instinct that I flip hold. Yeah. And I didn't do that with this one. So it went in under power and it completely obliterated the main blades, the little plastic, like blade grip uh, breakaway part that they have on the 420. One of them disintegrated, like charred up the canopy, destroyed a link. I was like, nice. You know uh, what I mean? Like, put it in <laughs> properly. But she's yeah, fixed. Christened. Yeah, she's fixed. She went flying today, but we got to get a new set of, of rotor techs. It was, it was flying so nice on the rotor techs before it went into.
1: Oh, that sucks, man. That was a good story, though, man. Shit happens, right? You got that yeah. one out of the way, though. So. Oh, now yeah, now you, know no, you live
5: and learn. Don't worry a little bit more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just got to accept it, especially after what I saw at Spring Fling. Oh my gosh, like, well, so much! You know the funny thing is with racing, like I'm very like OCD with my equipment. You know certain tolerances that I look for in parts, or everything has to be really nice. And then when I saw Scott go <laughs> take the Kraken out of the beans and then <laughs> refet it and go flying again, you're like, I oh, was like, okay. you know what? I probably shouldn't overthink this helicopter thing as much. That's Scott's motto right there, yeah, man. Right. It oh, was going to be this kind of party. It was great because he came back after the second time and he's like, something's dangling. And it's like, <laughs> it's just something was dangling from the helicopter. I don't <laughs> remember what it was. Zip ties came into effect and yeah. then he sent it again and that motherfucker just exploded. So <laughs> it was great. It was honestly, I won't overthink mechanics of helicopters that much anymore. At this point, we're just going to send it.
3: Yeah, just yeah. surface guy. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, That's they want to fly.
2: That's right. They, they, they really want to fly until they don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they want to crash. Yeah, yeah. You gotta fuck them up really bad before they won't fly. Yeah, yeah this Scott. Great. Scott showed you that.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, nah, good times though. It was great.
0: All righty, Enzo. We sure appreciate you spending some time with us. We're looking forward to uh, hearing how your progression comes and uh, come check in with us every now and again. We'd yeah. love to hear about your, uh, how, how well your flight's coming along and your new helis.
5: I appreciate it. you into it. a
0: big 700.
5: Uh, that's the plan. I think uh, so far I want to keep uh, working on more basics. I was kind of talking to Scott about it earlier. I feel like I kind of have to take a step back and maybe not push too hard with 3D stuff and maybe work a little bit more on circuits and making sure that we're comfortable you know seeing the helicopter up in the air again and it moving quickly especially when you have it banked pretty aggressive Um, just getting used to seeing it in the air versus you know trying to do Aileron uh, tiktoks uh, in front of me and then burying it so probably keep working on that but yeah that's the plan maybe spring fling next year I might have a a spec'd out raw 700 by then we'll see
0: Alright, there it was. what did you guys think? Enzo. Albertini. So been hearing about like, Albertini? an
1: entirely different world. Yeah, that was kinda interesting and neat.
0: Albertoni. I said it wrong again. Oh my god. Fuck. I look Ugh. it's no secret. For a decade and a half I've been butchering people's names on our CHN podcast. So. <laughs> You're the
1: see, I kill cats and you butcher names. So
0: <laughs> That's right. We should That's open a meat do. shop. Oh my god. You buy cat. You
1: you. You want cat leg? Fresh cat. Little hat, cat hot dog made from cat lips and asshole. Anyway,
0: I'm gonna interrupt Rob's train of thought and get back on topic here. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of Enzo? I, it, dude, I'm looking forward to having him on the show again.
2: Yeah, it's cool having another person in the hobby.
0: It is, dude. And, and the thing of it is, is uh, you know we we try to limit those conversations to about an hour, and we. So we stopped, and then we had another half-hour conversation after the fact. <laughs> uh, totally different topics. I mean, what I'm getting at is very easy to talk to this guy. Really had a good time hanging out with him, learning about and uh, learning about his experiences, and excited to see how, how it goes. I, I just, you know, you guys kind of alluded to it, but I have a feeling that um, he's going to be one of these guys that picks up the controller and after, you know, a short amount of time, he's out there just banging shit around.
2: Yeah, totally. Uh,
0: one of those guys that I fucking hate. I hate those people. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Damn. But
0: anyway, no, thanks, uh, Enzo, for hanging out with us. And Sorry for butchering your name, but, you know, it's kind of what you signed up for when you came on our podcast.
1: Yeah, right of passage.
0: <laughs> I think we're getting to the point where we're going to wrap this one up. But before we do that, let's, uh, let's get some emails. Scott, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that?
2: You can get me at scott at rchnv3.com or find me on Facebook.
0: I was getting ready to yell at you for mentioning your phone number because I'm not asking for your phone number.
2: I you don't need your digits, man. You don't want my phone number?
0: I, got, I think I already have your phone number, but I'm just saying, I didn't ask for hmm?
2: I wasn't giving it. Okay. Oh, well, uh, I was going to prank you. <laughs> yeah, I was. Every right. week he's texted me. Yep. Who has? Devin.
0: Devin's texting. I have him. a lot of
2: pictures of Devin's feet now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the toes. They're the important <laughs> ones.
0: All right, Devin, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that?
3: Devin at rchnv3.com or Devin McClellan on Facebook.
0: If you wanted to get in touch with Nick, you could reach him at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. Nick Wisdom, RC, I believe, on Facebook. Is that right? Yeah. I, I think it's right.
3: Or Heli Direct dot, dot,
0: dot. <laughs> <or direct.com Yeah. laughs> forward slash Nick Wisdom. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dan. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Please check out our webpage, uh, www.rchnv3.com. Last and certainly not least, Rob, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh,
1: well, Um, if you want to get in touch with me, probably an easy way to do it uh, would be a, if you want, you would want to go and um, stalk Devin's uh, About section to figure out what college he's going to. And then when he's taking his final, I want you to unsuccessfully, and inconspicuously sneak into his classroom and pass him a note, very obviously, um, that has the question you want to ask me on it. That way, when his teacher catches you passing him a note, he will scold Devin and then read the note out loud in front of class. And while he's reading the note out loud in front of class um, and people are laughing at Devin for getting a note, just TikTok that shit and, um, you know, uh, tag me in it. And and I'll see the the video and I'll hear your question and I'll reply back to you and let you know what to do. Um, But if you're afraid of campus security um, and you're not sure how to be unsuccessfully inconspicuous, um, then you can just email me instead, I guess. um, Rob at RCHNV3.com. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, Facebook at nextgenrcfb, Instagram at nextgenrc, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. I would like to see that.
3: Yeah. Dude, okay, maybe draw a picture, okay. a line line art picture in there for you. Hey, if you're going to do that, at least put the answer to one of my questions on the back of the paper or something. Like... <laughs> Make it at least slightly worth it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All <laughs> right, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it have a good week hopefully i'll see you next week but i'm sure some of these guys will if i'm not here if
2: i'm not dead by then oh jesus (laughs) you're gonna be here you're gonna hang
0: out with us (laughs) yes sir
1: yeah you you can't get rid of us that easy dan sorry
0: (laughs) i'm here for the long haul no i'm not i'm gonna be fine (laughs) yes sir i kid my wife doesn't like it when i say shit like that so i say it all the time
2: oh my god nobody (laughs) does i'll tell you what it's if you dare leave us, I'm going to clamp a microphone to your tombstone, or I'm going to podcast on your tombstone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no fancy outro, no, Rob. Uh... Oh,
1: the outro. Hellies are cool, and we fly them outside of the school. Then they tell us to leave. We say, fuck off and fly instead. What the
0: hell? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like you put a lot of effort into that one. I'm not gonna
1: lie. I didn't. I got caught off guard on that one.